0: Hi, and welcome to Second Rate Film School. I'm Andrew. I'm Jake.
1: And I'm Jacob.
0: And this year, for the 4th of July, we're doing our favorite movie of all time, National Treasure.
2: That's
1: not even my favorite National Treasure movie
0: of all time. (laughs) We'll get into that one eventually, next year. So, uh, though this is one of my favorite Disney movies, live-action Disney movies, so it is high up there, so I'm glad we get to watch it and discuss about it and all the fun stuff with it
3: yeah i remember seeing this movie at the dollar theater in 2004 um, with my friend and his mom took us and uh, yeah it's a great great memory great experience i just didn't expect it to like it as much as i did even though i was interested in seeing it
1: well, you know it's just uh it's a really solid really well done adventure thriller um, it, it does remind me of like the Indiana Jones adventure type of film, but the hook is the focus on the American history. But obviously, you stay because of the, uh, the fun characters and because of the, uh, the smart whip snap and uh, funny directorial style and writing. Exactly. All right, that's the commentary. Good night, folks. <laughs> oh, here's,
3: uh, here's Max Monsito. I was going to say, Kevin Spacey. What the hell are you talking about? you are
0: both very good. I'm not going
3: to try and top. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, I get it now. I get it. Um,
0: now, with this scene, um, it should be discussed, there was a alternate, um, not opening technically, because it was in the middle of this. Um, it's a very interesting scene that, from what I understand, um, was placed towards the end of Christopher Plummer's speech here. So we see... Um, the relative of Ben Gates, this is actually played by Jason Earls, who was the brother on Hannah Montana. Fun fact, he's pushing 30 here, and he was playing like a 15-year-old several years later on that show, so Hollywood magic. Um but in this scene they're setting up the whole thing about the Gates family knowing about the treasure, which was taking Thomas Carroll to the White House to see at the time President Andrew Jackson. The scene pretty much cuts off in a moment with President Jackson's not here and the guy telling the Gates relative about the treasure. Apparently there was an extended scene where Andrew Jackson then miraculously comes out. So I guess the front guardsmen were lying when they said Andrew Jackson wasn't in town. And then Andrew Jackson just comes out. The guy explains to him about the treasure and he's just like, "Ah, that whole story is bullshit. It's just a treasure story. Don't go hunting it. And then that was the extent extent of the scene just to have an andrew jackson lookalike so Mm. it would have been interesting the guy did look like andrew jackson but i don't think it was warranted or necessary whatsoever it's much better to then just get into this story and then that be the extent of the gates involvement and then we're obviously the present this is ben's story we don't necessarily need to have whole dramas and plot points surrounding the gates family like certain sequels do Later on. well
1: yeah I mean I haven't seen the scene but from what you described it sounded a little superfluous there's a bit of a clever sort of uh fake out there where Jackson ends up being home I guess but yeah. you know
3: yeah I guess yeah, that's I the only thing yeah. this film has really good pacing yeah you all-seeing eye pull your dollar bills out now and now we know where Dan Brown got inspired for the lost symbol.
1: Oh my god. They need to they, <laughs> they need to buy the rights to like uh, to like the lost symbol or inferno or make that the nas- the next national treasure. You know? It has to be the lost symbol. That took place in America.
3: But, well that's what I mean. You could aren't the uh aren't the Knights Templar involved in that?
1: No, you know what was? It was oh god, I'm trying to remember what
2: The
3: Freemasons?
1: I, uh, I think it was the Freemasons. I, I have to I'd have to look into it. I wasn't expecting to be talking about the lost symbol during this commentary. Um,
3: well, you didn't prepare.
1: Honestly, the the one thing I remember from that book is that there's a scene where somebody invents a machine that can weigh your soul, and somebody like goes in the machine and dies, and it like their weight goes down like a half a pound or something like that. <laughs> And it wasn't because they defecated themselves upon dying. it was because like their soul left their body. I, I was like basically they they like hint at telekinesis and I'm waiting the whole book for it to ramp up into like real schlock, where like Robert Langdon is like fighting force users or something and it doesn't. It's really a shame.
0: Well and it's actually interesting because that's based on like real pseudoscience, but like in reality it's the number is even laughably lower. It's like something like a few ounces.
1: Wait let me see if I got this right. It's based on real pseudoscience.
0: I mean, Dan Brown didn't make it up. Some other crazy people made it up. But yeah, it's like laughable, like 30 ounces or like something like really low. That's like a dozen different things could account for. But it is funny. There's John Voight with a nice merkin. (laughs) Yeah, Tom Cruise hair right there. they did nothing except give him a wig to make him look younger. He's the world's worst-looking 30-year-old man in this... Is he, he's not supposed to be 30 there. I mean, 40 or something. I mean, he's got to be pretty young to have a kid that young.
1: He's very, very stressful, formative years.
0: Well, hey, but <laughs> you were married to Helen Mirren, too. I don't know if
2: that
0: would, would be... Uh, a joke to the second movie. What? She played his wife in the second movie. God damn it, keep up with it, Jake.
3: I didn't see the second movie. I have no idea what it's about. Let's not talk about it.
1: I actually was on the set of the second movie when they were filming it.
0: Uh, yeah, you should um, say uh, it'll be a while before we do that commentary. People might forget by the time.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't care. They'll yeah. probably forget. Wait, what's yeah. the second one
3: about?
0: But it's about Abraham Lincoln being murdered yeah, and I a lot
1: of gold. I know you're joking right now. I'm having a hard time really remembering, though.
3: (laughs) I just remember there was a golden room, and then once they got there, I was like, what the hell does this have to do with Abraham Lincoln's assassination?
1: I just remember uh, they have to kidnap the president at one point, and I think one character says, you want to kidnap the president?
2: (laughs) I don't know if we're ever... No, that was the trailer. These
1: events might not be... They might be mutually exclusive. We don't know.
0: I don't know if we're ever going to do a commentary for the second one. It ain't going to be for a very long time, so you're getting a very good sneak preview from down the line of our viewpoints of that movie.
3: <laughs> yeah, we might get our thoughts on
0: that movie. I love Maybe I, not. I always loved Riley. Riley is the best part of this
3: movie, and he's the, coincidentally the best part of all the Hangover movies. Fight me. See, I disagree. I don't think he is the best part. Of his, I, I like the actor a lot, actually. I, I have a problem with a lot of his jokes in this yeah, movie. Most of them fall flat on their face. He's good though. He's he's trying, but like most of them, it just it just crickets when he says his, his jokes. They're just not very good. Yeah. Which is kind of a shame because I, um, John Turtell, the director, who I really like, he has kind of like this uh, playful, playful way about him. It Almost reminds me of like a Joe Dante sort of thing. Not as like anarchic, but but that playfulness, that mischievousness, that that kind of reminds me of him. And you can see that I think that sense of humor kind of seeps into Riley's, but. I don't know who I. I don't know if it was a script or what, but
1: um. yeah. You know what? I. Uh, I think the real humor in this movie, isn't like humor in a traditional sense with like the jokiness, but just sort of the, the adventurous directorial style and situations they find themselves in. Sort of the fun you get from that. That's sort of like mm-hmm. the real humor that really works in this movie. I. Uh, I saw an interview with Nicolas Cage where he was talking about this. Um, and you know for a little background I'm a big fan of Nicolas Cage I think we all are but I I genuinely really like him as an actor but he was talking about this and he said that like the real star of this movie is John Turtletob. and I, I would agree the thing that really makes this movie work is the um the fast paced fun directorial style that keeps everything moving and uh really positions that script to be done in the uh the most you know the best way possible and I uh I would agree with that.
3: Yeah, I think and and the Riley's humor seems kind of seems a little obligatory at times. It seems a little like it, it you know rubs against kind of what, the idea that you were saying. Um, but um <clears throat> in, in terms of like the script, um, Terry Rossio and Ted Elliott came in to do rewrites, and I think they rewrote much of the script, but they never got credited for it. So so they missed out on all those residuals.
1: Hey, I bet they're really hurting for cash. <laughs> <laughs> They only made $10 million or whatever off of uh, Pirates 4.
3: Hey, those houses don't pay for
0: themselves. Um, going back to my opinion, though, on Riley, I disagree with everything they said, so I'm going to edit out everything they've been saying and just play over crickets for the past two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I like Riley. I, no, I, I, I agree with you. I was joking. I, I think... Um, yeah, you're probably right. Like, a third of his jokes are actually, like, funny, and then the rest, I think they were like, oh, he's got, like, a funny delivery. Add more jokes, and, like, I wouldn't be surprised to find that some of these jokes were like, hey, you know, ad lib right now. And this guy's like, uh, I can deliver funny lines. Not sure if I can come up with them immediately, but who knows. Um, other interesting thing is this is the, I'm blanking on the name of the ship, but this is one of these, the- uh, Charlotte. Well, the Charlotte, but this was one of the ships from Pirates of the Caribbean.
3: Oh, it was the same set?
0: Yeah, it was the ship that um, I believe that Johnny Depp and um, Orlando Bloom steal at the beginning to go after Elizabeth and the Black Pearl. The
3: Dauntless or the Interceptor? I always get Oh, the I think, Dauntless, right? Yeah, Yeah, I believe the Dauntless. No they're like, way.
1: Or no. No, it is the Interceptor, because they commandeer the Dauntless, oh, okay, and then they steal go. the Interceptor. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think it's the one that they spend the majority of the movie on. Um, and then, yeah, they're like, okay, well, we're done with it. I, it had to be that one because that one blows up, and that must have been like a miniature that they blew up, and then this was the actual set. And like, okay, well, we blew it up. We're not going to need it for the sequel, so just, you know, mm-hmm. blow it up. So found that very interesting. I like to think this is in canon. Oh, wait, no, it couldn't be the same ship. Never mind. I wasn't making it in canon. Pirates of the Caribbean was in this universe.
3: Well, it's a Jerry Bruckheimer universe. Yeah. So I
1: take it that they're not going to have The Interceptor reappear in any future Pirates of the Caribbean films.
3: You never know. Wow. Could you imagine, though, if you just,
0: like, see... They're all so
1: disappointed.
0: If you see, like, the comical pirates, you know, the one with the missing eye and the bald pirate, just, like, skeletons frozen down here, and they don't address it.
3: (laughs) So they're on an American ship.
0: Yes. (laughs) Hey, well, everything was British before we rebelled, so who knows? Even though those movies take place in the, like early 1700s apparently oh,
1: by the end of the, like the pirate series we've basically broken off into like an alternate history where pirates like just continued to thrive well into colonization
3: <laughs> yeah
1: and also there's sea monsters and stuff like that. See,
3: that's gonna be an interesting idea if they do ever do do the next one at, what the status quo is gonna be of, of pirates because the third one was i know i'm going off topic Maybe I shouldn't talk about that. But... I assume the
1: status quo will be Johnny Depp was down on his luck. <laughs> and Kooky while he tries to get rum.
3: We should eventually do at least the first parts of the Caribbean. I'm, I'm good with the first three. I think There's should, a lot to say. but yeah. I think we should do the third. Because I think that gives us an opportunity to talk about the entire franchise. And plus it's kind of the one that's like the least talked about where we have, all have our unique opinions. But we could do both. I don't Jake's want to watch the, the third
1: one. <laughs> because he knows I really like that movie.
3: I think it'd be interesting to have differing, per, differing perspectives on that. But we can do the first one, too. I wouldn't be yeah. opposed to that. The third one, just I'm, I'm just throwing my head in. Yeah, the, the
0: second one, I think, is the most boring. Third one, you're right. is the most to say of the three, I think. Wait, you of, think the second one's the most boring? I think the first one's the best one. The third one has the most to say. So I should say the second one would probably have the least to say. I don't agree mind. with that. Uh, I think there's a lot to say about... No, there's th- a, a lot Red to Man, say, you know, but I think there's less to say about the first and then the third
1: one. You know, I probably have a lot to say on all of
0: them. But anyways, back to National Treasure 2, Book of Shadows. Oh.
1: Oh, well, Beth, National Treasure 2. Um, so that one had Ed Harris and...
3: Wait. Oh, oh, yeah, you're right. I was not... Th- we're talking about The Rock... Oh, and then I threw a Blair Witch Two reference in there with the subtitles. Wait, so. Ed Harris was in Blair Witch Two.
0: He was the Blair Witch. He's just hanging out with the teenagers. You remember that? <laughs> hey kids, define <laughs> himself as a witch. Where's the trail? We're making him sound like Yogi Bear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey,
3: <laughs> hey Blair, hey Blair Witch.
1: Well, now they gotta when they make the Hanna Barbera Cinematic Universe, they gotta have Ed Harris be Yogi Bear.
3: <laughs> oh no, stealing Dan Aykroyd's paycheck. He's already poor as is. <laughs>
1: I feel like Dan Aykroyd...
3: He's got his pocket money. He's good.
1: He's he's doing well for himself.
3: Unlike Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Actually, he's doing better let's, now.
1: Let's talk about Nicolas Cage. <laughs> All right, so well... So, like, there's a weird thing about <laughs> this movie where everybody, you know, everybody likes to make Nicolas Cage into a meme. You know, fine. Rightfully so. Um. Whatever. But, like, they always go to this movie, and that's... As, like, a guy who's watched a lot of Nick Cage movies, like, it's always strange, because this is, like, a pretty straightforward performance he gives here. And I think part of the reason is that this is just probably one of Nick Cage's most mainstream films that he's done. Well, I think it goes things considered, and because of that, this is the one everybody kind of goes to the reference. Like, people have seen the memes, but I, I feel like, you know, movies like Vampire's Kiss and, like, Deadfall and, uh, like, Bad Lieutenant aren't quite in popular consciousness... The way something like this is, but Nicolas Cage is so this becomes a real go-to to reference whenever people make Nicolas Cage jokes.
0: Yeah, I think it go- goes down to like what we were saying on the um, Spider-Man Sixty Seven commentary that it's just, it's very easy and accessible, and it's just then like surface level. Like, oh, pick the weird, the handful of weirdest things out of this Spider-Man Sixty Seven or this um, versus you could really dive deep into other parts of nick cage or spider-man's mythologies to pull weirder stuff from
1: yeah it's just it's strange because this is like a pretty straightforward performance he gives here it's good you know he does a good job but it's not like there's like tons of lines that people quote from this other than you know we're going to steal the declaration of independence yeah
3: exactly it's very this is very earnest performance and that's the the consistent thing when Nick Cage started all his movies, he's he's very very earnest and no, no matter the context, I think that's important too because people tend to have a very ironic appreciation of Nicolas Cage, which, you know, I guess is fine. I think I think that can only get you so far though, but I don't think that that truly delves into his his talents as, as an actor. Um, which we'll get into more over the over the commentary. That's something I think we should yeah. also talk about. You know, I mean, it's I completely agree. it it really annoys me when people just enjoy him out of irony or, or just to like laugh at him but I, I think that's looking at it in the wrong way I mean you can find some enjoyment out of that but I, I don't think you'll enjoy it as much as just looking at his performances for what they are because um, they're all very very unique yeah he's like a spice rack various various spices there's something a little it's different a, each it is
1: a major throw into the
3: outfield there, <laughs>
1: but I, I think it might have been caught um <laughs> Well yeah, that's that's the thing. Like, you know, I will find myself, you know, sort of laughing at how far or how absurd some of his performances mm. can go, but it's never laughing at him. I, I always really appreciate what he's trying to do. You look at a, you look at something like um, like Vampire's Kiss and people treat it like it's a joke. It's not, it's a, you know, it's actually a pretty damn good movie. Like He's not like this. Isn't like an a this. These big performances he gives aren't an accident. He, these are very intentional, and that's kind of the point of what he's doing. Mm-hmm. But it's like an odd discussion to have during this movie because this is a this is a pretty straightforward, earnest performance that he gives here.
0: Well, I think it goes to also like going back to what we say. You pick the weirdest part from something and it's like you know yeah we all know the clip from vampire's kiss so that's been turned into the meme and then him running down the streets for me i'm a vampire but it, i always use the example from um silent night deadly night 2 that's the movie that has that clip garbage day and it's like how many people have actually watched that movie and you know literally anything else about that movie it's just people latch on to something pull it out and like take it away from the context of what nick cage is doing in the rest of that movie and completely memeify something that is funny to a certain extent. But when you take everything around, I think you're right. That's like he's giving, you know, over-the-top performances, big performances, but not bad and, and, you know, there's, like, a
1: larger conversation here you can have about how media is sort of consumed that way. Like, I thought it was really interesting that the minor controversy over Quibi, how you couldn't take pictures on of Quibi shows while you were watching them, because the way a lot of people like to engage with media now, a lot of young people, is that they take photos and they turn them into memes or GIFs and they spread them around Twitter or Reddit or something like that. And that's just sort of become a way that, for better or for worse, people engage with Nick a Cage. lot of media. And, um, well, like, media and Nick Cage's results. So you've got someone like Nick Cage who is trying to do very specific things with his performances and then you take that stuff out of context and it just seems completely absurd. And, you know, on one hand, it's a funny meme and it's kind of fun to connect the dots between the, you know, the heights of his big performances. But on the other hand, you really lose the context of what he's trying to do and kind of just turn it into a joke.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, that's memetics in a nutshell, pretty much. Okay. But um, By the way, I just wanted to... When I said Nick Cage like that I didn't want to direct it
0: back to him. I You said engage and I said Nick Cage because it kind of rhymed So I wasn't
3: trying to add anything insightful. I just wanted to make a pun <laughs> Yeah, but I mean I've always loved Nick Cage in that even before I found out about the whole like meme culture That that I was least interested in that. I just always loved him as an actor Yeah, and I loved his performance. He, he always he was he's always very entertaining no matter what he does And he always gives something very unique And then I I, I think you know when i went online and I, I saw people start to appreciate it for what it was that's when i caught on like i remember in the first ghost rider movie i remember reading on a forum somebody just talking about his his idea of using jelly beans in a martini glass and drinking out of that martini glass and it's like yeah said, yeah that's like typical nick cage madness right there and i was like oh yeah that is like a very interesting creative choice i've always liked that quirk when i saw the movie but that that was kind of like my window into this this world that we've we've immersed ourselves into now um where I, I truly appreciate him as just an actor and his deliberate choices, the, the ones that you were referring to, Jacob. Um, but yeah, I think Roger Ebert put it best. Nicolas Cage is brilliant in great movies and entertaining in bad movies. Even, He, in, even, he said uh,
1: great and good movies, yeah. indispensable in bad movies. Oh, did he say that? Okay, it alright. Yeah, it's like, that's the perfect summation.
3: I, I think so, too. And that's the thing... It. it he never gives a bad performance, even in the bad movies. He just gives the best performance that the that the director, the material is is given to him at, is giving to him at the time. He, like yeah. *Season of the Witch*, it's not a good movie, but he's he's giving it his all in that. He, you'll never see a sleepwalking Nick Cage performance. He gives a hundred percent no matter what.
1: He he always brings it, um, and sometimes it works great. I'd say much more often than usual. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it goes too far. Um, but he's always really trying to experiment with his craft. He doesn't just settle into pure naturalism or anything like that. I think even Hawke might have talked about this at one point. But he's always trying to do different things with the craft. I there was one quote I saw him. I saw him talking at the L. A. premiere of uh, that movie Doggy Dog, and I remember like he talked about an acting teacher that told him never to do impressions, mm-hmm. and that made him want to do like start doing impressions for his roles because it's like well it's not that i'm trying to imitate someone so much as what does it mean that my character is imitating this person and then mm-hmm. you get like wild at heart where his character is always imitating elvis and stuff like that mm-hmm. yeah. um he's always trying to do new things and you know sometimes you get you know a forgettable movie or something that just doesn't work but more often than not i think you get you know great stuff like adaptation. Mm-hmm. Like, in Las Vegas, there's
2: there's tons of stuff. Even World
3: in forgettable, <laughs> like what World Trade Center. <laughs> well, even in the forgettable stuff, he's always the most memorable part. I I will say. No, I think I going into what you said um, with the Roger Ebert
0: quote it reminds me of someone like yeah you know, like uh, Tim Curry or John Candy as well. That like there are just certain actors that you know it really depends on the director and they could either hit it out of the park and be like you know in the case of Nick Cage, literal Oscar winners or turn into a director of a lesser hand be like okay this is how i'm going to direct you and nick Cage's like all right i trust you you're the director almost like he has like a trusting status and he doesn't seem like the type of actor who's going to be a prick and storm back to his trailer and be like i'm going to do it my way or the highway he has like a trust for the status of director and for like the kind of um like way everything's done
3: yeah i mean uh... That's what an actor uh should do, yes, well, an actor has to have a lot of trust in a director and he's yeah. good, bad, or indifferent yeah, sometimes. I mean obviously he has his own ideas too. I mean, there's been interviews where they where people have collaborated with him, and he's given these ideas, and they're like, well, maybe not that, but how about this and he's always been i think on Mandy that I think he had some ideas or something like that
1: originally with Mandy, he was gonna he wasn't gonna play the lead role he was gonna play the cult later, yeah, and then he wanted to play the lead role. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, sometimes it doesn't quite work out. I, I always think of Peggy's Who Got Married, where he's doing, like, a Gumby voice the whole movie. Okay. Well, and then, it's like, you know, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of see, like, maybe it's, like, a youth thing or something like that. Or he's, like, trying to put on an affectation. It doesn't quite work. But then he, he really thinks about the characters and tries to, like, find new ways yeah. to express their headspaces, And that's, that's something I really respect.
3: He's doing, like, a Nosferatu impression, too, that one when he sneaks into Peggy's room.
1: Yeah, um... He does uh oh no wait he did the Nosferatu one in Vampire's Kiss Oh was yeah. at the bar or at the club and then he does the um the metropolis impression and uh oh and uh moonstruck
3: hmm. oh my god oh yeah with the with the hand yeah yeah. yeah yeah
2: um
0: oh yeah hmm. um now, we could talk about Nick Cage's acting probably for the entire episode, <laughs> yeah, but we should yeah, maybe yeah. talk a little bit about National Treasure. Oh. Um, going back to the previous scene, I think um, <laughs> a very it, we see a very interesting side of Sean Bean's uh, character side in this when you know, like they open it up and then Nick Cage is like, oh, you know, well, it's occluded clue to the next step. You just say, see he's got like a pissed off look on his face because in his mind, no matter what... Um, Ben has said to him, he just assumed, oh, we just have to find Charlotte. That's the treasure. This is a person who's obviously just in it, not for the history like Ben is in. He's in it for the money. And it's very interesting. You then see how he's joking with Ben, kind of Riley as well. But soon as they don't serve a purpose to him, soon as he knows, oh, they're not going to help me steal the Declaration of Independence, he immediately is like, well, I guess I have to kill these guys now. He's a very just like trying to go from point A to point B as quickly as possible. And if you're in his way, you're going to get killed. So I think it's a interesting thing that we learned within the first like five minutes of the movie and sticks true for how he kind of just regards life throughout the rest of
3: the movie. Well, he's, he's an interesting villain. I mean, I wouldn't even call him, He's not a villain villain. He's an antagonist for sure, but he's not like a psychopath. I always thought it was kind of interesting about the, the Ian character. He doesn't even die or anything. He just gets arrested at the end. Which very, is very ironic. Very practical. Yeah. yeah.
1: I had a weird Mandela effect thing where I always thought he died at the end of this movie for some reason. No.
0: I, you might be confusing I, with the second one because yeah. Ed Harris is that with that it. one. Because,
1: like, I mean, I've known for the past few years he lives. But for some reason, for years, I thought that Sean Bean, like, died at the end of this movie. I thought he, like, fell down a cliff or something.
0: You might just be confusing it with Sean Bean's literally any other role he's been in. Ah. Uh. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah, well, it's ironic. It's that, that's what I'm saying it's
0: ironic. It's one of the few movies where he doesn't. And, and he's the villain.
1: Yeah. Spoiler alert for every other Sean Bean movie ever made. Yeah, don't Are watch you?
3: Patriot Games. Is he in that? Yeah, he's the villain in Patriot Games.
1: Really? Yeah. Okay. Oh, Patriot... No, I'm sorry. I was thinking of... Uh, what's the Mark Wahlberg movie? Patriot's oh, Patriot. Day? Patriot. I was thinking of Patriot's I'm like, wait, does he play, like, the Boston Bomber?
3: <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, okay. he would definitely die. I was like,
1: that's... What? He play, no, he plays the younger one, the one in his 20s. Oh, They had to give him the the John White wig for him to play that role.
0: <laughs> there we go. Um, Do they actually shoot... Yeah, the declaration? Th- oh, I don't
3: know if it's th- the declaration, but they were in here from what I understand. Okay, because it's one of those things where I don't know if they would allow actual cameras to film it. I, yeah, I think I that's think probably they, a replica. I
1: don't think they did because the actual declaration is a lot more faded in real life. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's hard to make out what it says.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think they did film here. And actually, it's interesting, which we're going to see in a few seconds. Um when they're sitting on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial looking over the Washington Monument and the reflecting pool, that was empty, so they had to, like, digitally, like, remove, like, they were doing maintenance on it, so they had to digitally, like, remove work stuff around and in the pond and then refill because, it, like, it, it's such an iconic, you know, thing that most Americans and people from around the world know being filled with water, that would be way too weird to just be, like, seeing its routine maintenance being done on it. mm mm-hmm. But I just like how casually they're talking about like committing a horrible felony, just so in public. But it feels right for Bennett, you know, he's trying. To, I always felt that he's trying to lead um, Riley into agreeing with him by subconsciously putting him in between the Washington Memorial and the Lincoln Memorial, <laughs> <by> being <laughs> That's like good. these two guys just, did something that was wrong, but as he later says, did the wrong thing but for the right reason or something along the lines. So that I'm sure it was just probably like, hey, this is a movie about America. Put some monuments in there, but I've always liked that interpretation.
1: Well, even just the way it's framed and paced. Like, I like that initial shot Riley's sitting down because he's unsure. you got Ben, who's standing up and looking a lot more proactive. And then just, like, the way this is shot in the different locations, because most of the scene, if I'm right, is just, like, exposition. Yeah. But you need to get that in there. That's not a criticism of itself. They find a way to make it very interesting and exciting.
0: Well, and it's interesting because they could have had this really dumbed down in terms of how to steal it. Like they could have had them just come in, smash the glass with the power being cut out and taken it, but they did go the extra mile to be like, okay, here's actually how the Declaration of Independence is stored. I don't know how true it is, but they claimed on the special features, like, you know, we got people like, okay, if you had to try and steal it, what would your plan be? Mm. You know, how would you do this? And they, you know, worked with the archives department to like no okay yeah it is lowered down we, you do have it in this type of thing that would allow us and you know i'm sure some of it is fancified and changed for actual security reasons but it is interesting i guess also you could say um for the sake of drama it's a lot more dramatic what they going this route but it is interesting that you know they go through setting this all up what for a kids movie family movie like this
3: could have just been really dumbed down yeah, well, I mean, it's treated like a heist movie. I mean, it's, it's a heist movie in, like, the, the first, first act. act. Yeah. yeah, that's a thing. Then it becomes like a chase movie, and for the rest of it, it becomes like a race against time.
1: It's a very well-done heist, too. I love how the plan is laid out, so you kind of understand what's at stake, what needs to be done, and the comic
3: book doesn't it's It's very, yeah.
1: very creative in its execution, and just even in its premise, going after the Declaration of Independence.
3: Well, right here is, is great setup. The, the stuff that we just saw—that's what a proper heist movie should do. It should show you the the layout, the geography, and the plan ahead of time, so you know it's at stake. So when something does go wrong during the heist, you're you, you know you're on the edge of your seat because you're aware of the stakes. You you know what's going on. Yeah, and that's, it's it's yeah. very important. It's kind of like an active ingredient. Nobody really talks about, but it's important. All all the best heist movies have have that the sequence like this. And I think that's what's lacking with the second
0: one. Um, Again, a little preview of whenever we do this is it always feels like they're flying by the seat of their pants and not planning anything whatsoever like when they need to break into Buckingham Palace or then later the White House. uh, You got a little bit of planning when they had to kidnap the president but I mean this feels like even though they have like I guess less than a week like it feels very planned out and you can tell like okay they have every step of this plan and that this plan would have gone off flawlessly had um, had Ian and his guys not shown up and followed up. Any complications they had with this plan only arose because that. they didn't fuck up Riley's equipment, didn't fuck up or anything like that. You know, everything because was they, planned uh, to the T.
1: There's, it creates real suspense that way. I always yeah. think of that the Hitchcock quote. What's scarier? A bomb going off under a table or knowing there's a bomb under the table and not knowing when it's going to go off. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. like a little, yeah, there's a, it's not completely direct here, but it's the same thing here where you can have people run into a building and try and steal something. That's exciting. But if you know what's in the building and you know what they have to do, then you've created stakes, you've created motivation, um, you've created a greater understanding that increases the suspense.
0: And then, especially when you then see Ian and his crew coming in, and I, it also shows the juxtaposition and shows how much more in danger they are that they're planning everything like to the second here of being very, you know, meticulous with it. Versus his guys coming in, they're fucking cutting shit, cutting doors down, tasering and knocking out guards, mm-hmm. and they're doing everything very brute force. They come in with guns, you know, and obviously, you know, Ben, which I thought was so cool, uses the case with the Declaration of Independence and as a bulletproof vest. Mm-hmm it's just so fun um but like it shows like li- they're literally coming in guns blazing while they're trying to be more analytical
3: with it yeah it's a great character contrast by just by just showing these things it shows character the, focus yeah, yeah it shows the difference between, in the character <clears throat> between benjamin and ian look at that early
0: photoshop
1: oh man what i wouldn't give for that passport <laughs> <laughs>
0: that laser pointer is really hot if it gets it over to 100 degrees. Or it's very cold and it gets it only to 40 degrees Celsius. Oh, I no, that would be the same.
3: I don't know metrics. Shut up, I'm trying to watch Nicolas Cage drink absinthe.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, remember we actually watched this movie in history class the year after it
0: came out and we've randomly... Um, I don't. I guess it's the thing the National Archives did. We, it probably wasn't Skype, but we had like a video call with the National Archives. You know, that year after we finished watching this movie, and they bring up this and like, oh yeah, but don't worry, the Declaration of Independence is really safe. And they said that at the beginning because they knew virtually any question we were going to have was about this movie probably. And I'm sure they were getting fucking really sick of grade schoolers asking about it. <laughs> Like, no, let, let us tell you about how we preserve stuff, not how we keep Na- Nick Cage from stealing it.
3: I have a doctorate in this. <laughs> <laughs> this movie's undermined so many people. It's great. It's what movies should do, undermine historical fact.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, to, yeah, make the masses focus in some light popcorn movie instead of very important history.
3: It annoys the shit out of me when historical experts get all uppity about inaccuracies in, in, in movies based on true stories or on historical events. It's like, it's a fucking movie.
0: Yeah, there's some placement where places where I agree it's wrong, where it fundamentally changes something, like, you know, completely changes the course of history or just is flat out wrong. But like, yeah, if you're going to change something for dramatic licensing, but it's still sticking to the true nature of what happened. That's fine. And people need
3: to calm the fuck down. Yeah, if you want real life, go read a fucking history book
1: yeah
3: it's or like documentary, documentary. Oh,
1: no. yeah I, I feel like a lot of those because I, I think that referenced like when people interview historians and stuff like that or have like gq videos and stuff oh, and i like, hate that well honestly i i don't really mind it i don't care because that's kind of the point of the video I, I think it's only a problem when you're like actively judging like the storytelling quality of a movie but if you're just sort of observing it and saying oh this is not how it would go in real life for the sake of education that that is fine it's when you you judge a storytelling proponent based on an outside fact like that that's where i think the that's where the issue would come in i
3: don't know i think it's like pseudo criticism when i see that those sort of things it's like people trying to be smarter than a movie when it's
1: well that's the that's what i'm saying yeah but if it's like just educational like Oh yeah, a historian yeah. Historian pointing out what would really happen, or like how this really works, or something like that. That's fine. Yeah. Oh I don't, yeah, sure. I don't have a problem
3: with that. Is that what those GQ videos are? Because you know I like to criticize things from a point of ignorance. <laughs> well, welcome to the rest of the internet. <laughs> yeah.
1: I don't know. I've only seen the titles.
3: Okay. Yeah, I just dismiss them because I'm like, I know what this shit is, oh. having not watched them. <laughs>
1: I, I just know they show up in my recommendations on YouTube all the time.
3: Yeah, I always dismiss them. Also, I like this. This is very James
0: Bondian. Uh, which one was it? Uh, it was Doctor No when he comes out of the water in a wetsuit and then takes off and he's wearing his tuxedo. No, that's the gold gold, gold figure. Okay, I get that. Be getting confused, but is I. And like,
1: Cody Banks too. <laughs> destination uh, but- London oh, All together now. Destination. in
0: London. But I like that, you know, it's, again, it shows how well planned out everything is that, like, you, you know, very, like, carefully, like, okay, I get in via this, go into the bathroom, change, there you go, now I'm into the party without anyone knowing I'm actually here.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Well, it's kind of interesting, because here, he, the the writers have to devise two different ways to, to get the Declaration of Independence. That's very different, I mean... I know you're focused on the Nick Cage thing, but the writers, are saying, oh shit, how is how is Ian gonna gonna steal? We have to create a, a credible, a credible yeah. way to do that. So, but I think their solution, oh, they just go underground, <laughs> which is not a bad thing. It's it's one of those things where you're kind of stuck with as like a, as a writer.
1: It it shows like their more aggressive approach to taking everything too. It's more villainous and it's a good yeah. Application. Well, like I said, it it does yeah. It's, it's just
3: it's more simple. I can kind of appreciate that because it you know it's it, I don't know it. It it works pretty well. It's a funny observation. Nick
1: Cage and his team are classier about trying to steal it. They're not gonna like break anything or hurt anyone as much as they can help it.
0: Exactly, and one. It's also interesting because they put as much thought as was needed for the audience. Like like I said, like you said, like shows they're much more you know brute force and yeah, you know, they don't give a crap. Mm-hmm. They have guns and you know explosives and all that because, uh, and I never thought about it until Cinemasins actually pointed it out. How would they actually get the Declaration of Independence if they didn't have it, know it was being placed down in the vault like Ben and Riley did? Did they go, is there a scene where one of the henchmen goes, does the same thing with a laser pointer and then they're like, fuck, another sensor went off. We got to go lower the duplicate down there. We got to get another one of these things up here.
3: You know what? I don't care. Anything CinemaSins has to say, I don't care. You know I'm, what? I'm going
1: to say something very controversial right now.
3: You love
0: CinemaSins, since no, everyone on the internet hates them? I just don't,
1: like, don't get what the big deal over it is, because, like, it seems like there's, like, a, a half, you know, there's people that really love cinema sins, but there's, like, a lot of people that really hate it. <coughs> like, I, you know, Sorry. it's like a joke, that's okay. the thing. Like, you're, it's very, it's like a joke. You're taking it as serious film criticism, and obviously that's wrong, but, like, it's not really meant to be serious. I honestly, I, I've only seen a couple episodes. Um, so I'm not going to profess to be an expert, but I'm, I'm sort of like, I will cares. I, uh, I think people get worked up over it and like, yeah, it's not real criticism or anything, but it's, not really trying to at the same time. So it's hard to get hard for me to get worked up over that.
2: See, to me, I,
3: I, at first I thought it would stir out like that, but now it, it seems to be criticism in and of itself where people have taken it more seriously. That's the key yeah. word,
1: though. They don't take themselves that seriously. I mean, if someone else does, then that just means that other person is wrong, you know? Oh,
3: okay.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, it depends. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's hard to go back and forth between when they do, like, jokes, like oh you know, nick cage insert nick cage joke here but then try and do like legit criticism of a movie and point out something that's wrong it can kind of be a whiplash effect but it i enjoy it from the humor standpoint i don't like go there for serious critique oh it's just it happened to be something i never noticed like that that i found funny that they did point out a legitimate plot hole with this
3: I, I don't know. I guess I just don't find I don't have much of a sense of humor with that sort of thing. Well, fuck, they're our third longest subscribers, so they're going to unsubscribe now.
1: <laughs> I've only seen a couple episodes. Um, hmm. I just, uh, you know, I just don't care either way. I, I think people get really worked up over this stuff, and it's, uh, it's pretty clearly meant to be just, like, dumb fun.
0: Yeah. Now, could you imagine if they took this to the next level and you just like see Ian's guards or um, goons like snap the guy's neck? Like, they add a bot. Well, there is a body count to this movie, actually. So, if they just add one more to the count, they should have. John Turled Tub, Turtle Tub, however you say his name. You're a wimp. At me.
1: I almost told you how to actually pronounce his name, but I held back. <laughs>
3: Cup your, cu- grab your balls <laughs> there once. Yes. Cough, please. Turn like, your hair and cough. Excited
1: about what was going on yeah. About Nick Cage using that, that blue light there. Just saying the
3: Nicholas Cage voice, cough, please.
0: <laughs> I just love how, like, simplistic her um, password is. That's gotta be something, like, history related. It's like, could you imagine if it was, like, something, like, really stupid? Of like, we got, like, a, it's like Care Bear Fan 02. <laughs> <laughs> like he just lords that over
3: her for, for the rest of the movie. Well, she is German. Oh no, she's Dutch, right? Yeah, Something. Pennsylvania yeah. Dutch. Is
0: she Dutch? I, I don't. They remember. say she's Pennsylvania Dutch. I think in this, but is she's German but in real life? Diane Kruger is German. Yeah. 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 All I know her from is getting choked out by a Nazi or stealing the Declaration of Independence. There's no in between. Oh, in that Mr. Nobody movie. She's in Troy. I keep coughing to punctuate the silence. I'm not
1: catching coronavirus over a National Treasure commentary. Let me put this down right now.
0: No, she's great. I'd like to see her more stuff, but she's always great in what I have
3: seen. So, just three movies?
0: (laughs) Yes. Hey, well, that Mr. No. National
1: Treasure, National Treasure (laughs) 2,
3: and Mr.
0: Nobody. Okay, so four movies. That Mr. Nobody movie was so freaking weird. We will not be doing a commentary on that anytime soon. I don't don't care. I like the portable DVD player they're using, which incidentally is what we're watching this on right now.
1: It's less high-tech than the portable DVD player we're trying to get to work over the weekend. Can you imagine
3: if he had watched his portable DVD? He'd keep turning it on and off with the time crunch. You
1: gotta gotta caress it.
3: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Ian Ian grabs it. He's like, come here.
2: Listen,
0: it's not my fault. Insert um a shady company
3: here. Ape Man. <laughs> I gotta bleep it out. What? I didn't. Well, it's called Ape <laughs> Man. <Aitman>. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, that's no. a very strange name. Is it Ape Man or Ape Man? It's M A N. So Ape Man. <laughs> yeah, that's how
1: I pronounce it. Is this a real company name?
0: That's the name on the the DVD player, at least. Yeah, I, try, I buy cheap portable DVD players because I like having them hooked up to my TV in my room and then if I want to go clean, I can continue watching the movie while I'm like dusting in the other room or cooking. It just happens this was a very terrible brand to buy and that's what we were using for a very long time to watch our movies. We're
3: very high tech here. I just bought it at the Ralphs <laughs> for seven ninety five. I wish. repairs were the same price. What's the brand? Ape Man. Ape Man? <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> Sold.
2: Got
1: into the Salvation Army.
0: Listen, you know, we're only getting like five views per video right now. I gotta be cost effective. So keep listening. Hit that like button. Or smash that like
3: button. Subscribe, etc. <laughs> yeah, watch is gonna make it. <laughs> the, the two cents per commercial.
1: Is <laughs> this thing this is gonna have like commercial break every 30 seconds?
0: Listen, just please keep listening. Was makes a dollar per video. (laughs) I wish. (laughs) That's why you notice a lot less effort is being put in as we go on. I used to try and fix everything. Now it's like, fuck it. (laughs) I do like this whole... Does that mean
1: we can start putting less effort in? What? No.
0: Um. I love this scene here because this is like the one screw up they have in their entire heist. And goes back to what I said. Had Ian not showed up, this likely wouldn't have happened. Well, of course. So it's just very funny that, yeah, that's the oversight they didn't think did, to did, like go pull a little bit more cash out for them.
3: Well, of course, that's what happens in a movie. Yeah, It's, no, that it's, it's complications. A yeah, set no, just like pay
1: off. Off. It's, a, it's a good setup and payoff. You kind of take it as a joke at first and then, oh no, that's serious. That sets a trail up.
0: And then obviously it then sets up for a minute as we see that he has a duplicate um, declaration to let the bad guys have so you could like be free to like, oh my God, they have it. Yes, yes, so, absolutely. So yeah, like I said, what seems like a throwaway joke works. He's jaywalking. That's the biggest crime he's committed.
3: Harvey Keitel's gonna see that. <laughs> it's Just pistol whipping him for that.
0: It's like, Chief, you got you got the guy who stole the Declaration.
3: What? No, he was just jaywalking. There's <laughs> Harvey Keitel voice. Should be Bad Lieutenant. Harvey Keitel after Bad Lieutenant. Nick Cage. <laughs> uh, uh,
1: oh yeah, I never made that connection. Well, you got two Bad Lieutenant's in one movie.
0: Yeah. And jo- jo- Joe Bartha, whatever, Justin, Justin, Justin Bartha, yeah. he'll be the baddest lieutenant in the made-for-TV
3: movie version. Yeah, I don't know, in the quibby version. <laughs>
1: when it's split up into five-minute segments. God, Ten. Can,
3: can you imagine Justin Bartha as bad lieutenant? Conrad, right, you gotta pull over there. Please. He seems like such a nice
1: guy. <laughs> That's it. That's the whole impression. It's <laughs> perfect. <laughs>
2: I
0: just imagine that this movie was yeah, was a lot darker. Like, Ian and his men just come by, shoot her in the head, and steal the Declaration. And then there's, like, no cause for, like, Ben to continue on. It's like, oh, well, that sucks, but at least we got the original one.
3: I'm thinking the rated R version of this movie. This is PG, right? Yeah. yeah. That's cool. See, I I appreciate that. There, are, I, I wish there were more PG movies today. I think yeah. there's a, I don't know. I, I know it's deliberate, but... Uh... There's, like,
1: very much a vested monetary interest in having be PG 13 because yeah. there's a worry that there's sort of a stigma that PG movies aren't mature enough.
0: Well, and so you look at before the advent of PG 13, PG movies had a lot more in them, like than PG 13 movies do now. Like, you know, there's movies like you know with nudity and a lot of violence that you don't even see now that would be pushed to R. So it's very interesting, like, how they've evolved between PG 13 being a stopgap between them for something like. You know what temple of doom should have been to now like yeah it's very almost just monetary
1: oh yeah it's because um pg-13 movies are seen as the most um
0: profitable
1: yes it's been oh, yeah. a long day guys
0: yeah. when well, you and you look at it, that's why you see a lot of movies like the, um, the fourth die hard movie you know they cut out all the swearing yeah that Which is pg no, no, it's PG thirteen, but they cut it out just so they could, you know, get that much more money into yeah. it, and then I think that now we, was we do rated, the, uh, I think it was rated G. wasn't it? Yeah, but then they released the unrated cut. Um, the weirdest thing about that movie, my one gripe with that is, you can say the word fuck one time in a PG thirteen movie, and they still censor him saying "Yippee ki yay, motherfucker" at the ending. Uh, well,
3: you can say fuck, but I don't think you can say motherfucker in a PG thirteen.
0: Bruce Willis can do whatever he wants. I'm the
1: the opposite end of the spectrum look at like star wars all those movies were pg except for revenge of the Sith*, and that was the one that had like child murder in it and but then like when the disney ones came along all of those were pg-13 and because that scene is the more profitable mm-hmm. rating because that brings in the largest possible audience where it's seen as mature enough uh for teenagers and grown-ups but kids can still get in yeah
0: when you look, you see a lot of children's movies now put do like put a jo- one or two jokes in to make sure they get the PG rating because now G is considered a, like a poison. So you have like PG for kids. No one wants to see a G movie because that's considered for babies only. And then PG thirteens, where the money for the rest of the demographic is. Well, unless yeah. it's like a unless Absolutely. it's like a
3: Pixar movie, like yeah. a, a brand IP or something. Yeah,
1: Pixar has got a strong enough brand that it doesn't need to rely on that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. You're right. yeah.
3: Toy Story 4 was G, right? Yeah. Yeah, Okay. I like this part. Are you hungry? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I
0: think that's a good Riley line. It's a good
1: character banter, though. It's all based in their, their central ethos and everything. It's not just arguing for the sake of it.
0: Yeah. Could you imagine though if Ben fucked up and gave the wrong one? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if it was me, I probably would have. I would have gotten make them mixed up.
1: Turn the car around.
3: Don't worry, I got the right one. She looks at This is a souvenir, you moron. Oh, it's oh like, shit. It's like in the fourth parts of the Caribbean movie when Jack tricks Blackbeard with the, with the cup of the, the chalice. I would have fucked that up.
1: <laughs> Boy, it was really on the edge of my seat during that scene.
0: <laughs> I love how, like, actually if you do pay attention sometimes in movies where they do the shell game, they do screw up like what it ends up on like the best example I think, can think of it's one of the most famous I love Lucy episodes where like Lucy thinks Ricky's trying to murder her and it was just a sedative and they keep switching the drinks back and forth but if you actually pay attention they fuck up and like don't give it to Lucy in the end so it is funny how like the characters are mostly smarter but the actors and continuity people aren't that
3: smart no that's a given here's Harvey here's Harvey Keitel Here's Judas himself. I just watched, watched Last Temptation of Christ last month, so he, he plays Judas Iscariot. That is amazing. Yeah, it's a movie where, you know, movie about Jesus, everyone sounds like they're from Brooklyn. It's <laughs> great. It's <Yeah, that's
1: laughs> like, the most Martin scorsese sounding movie <laughs> ever
3: created. Harvey Keitel is Judas. Hey, Jesus! What are you doing?
1: <laughs> I've always wanted to see
3: It's great. It's a
1: big gap in my my list of films I have to see.
3: Peter Gabriel does a soundtrack. Oh, wow. That's amazing. It's a great soundtrack.
0: (laughs) Come on. Just shaking it around.
1: What? Oh, sorry can professional <laughs> I'm
2: sorry <laughs>
0: Jake, Jake was just looking up how to get onto different podcasts Besides this one <laughs> Yeah He really wants to get on Serial, guys What? What is that? It's about serial killers or but cereal. I, no, I, I actually, I meant the,
1: wasp, that doesn't bode well for us.
0: Oh, boy. Um, I do like, <laughs> as we were laughing at that, uh, I do like the whole <laughs> setting up that the Gates family is very well known for their conspiracy, this conspiracy theory that, granted, we all know to be true by the end of the movie, but you have to imagine, like, five generations of like, this family, I think is what they're saying, which that number system doesn't, really line up, I think, if you do the math, but whatever. Um,
1: A lot of teen pregnancy. <laughs> <laughs> just...
0: No, no, John Boyd and, like, um, Christopher Plummer look like they're four. No, no, yeah, that would be teen pregnancy, as I have to say they were close. Uh, but, no, you, you can imagine this family since the 1820s is going around screaming out hidden treasures, back of the dollar bill, Freemasons that they are fucking lunatics to anyone in the historic, historic historic Jesus I'm having a stroke historic community so it's a good character moment that Ben's not ashamed of himself and his family but he knows that other people are so for his own the sake of the getting what needs to be done he does have to hide who he is like Batman <laughs> Our
1: big well, yeah, it, it or Big Daddy or Superman like Nick Cage should have been he creates personal stakes you know Yeah. He's, he's not just trying to find treasure he's trying to uh, you know he's clear trying... the name
3: yeah wait that's that's the second movie well no this one
1: too because
0: everyone thinks his family's crazy oh okay yeah and you, as we see in a few minutes um, John Foyt's yeah. like I stopped doing this I had your mother briefly which implied she died not that they just had a bitter divorce <laughs>
1: that's like an Arrested Development joke in <laughs> the implication she's dead <laughs> I had my first life briefly <laughs> First of all, Dad, you know, you've only been married once. Second of all, she left you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love that little flourish she does when he does tell my dad about it. Just the animated body language.
1: Having her and the dad come into this is sort of a great complication of itself. Not only are they just you know not only that good chemistry with the other actors but it it sort of creates new conflict in there where she's trying to run away and has a different motivation and the dad has his own motivation and backstory and baggage with all this well
0: it's also interesting that he wouldn't be able to do this on his own because um, as we see later on they don't think to add heat to it the father has to add that so you know would he have given up Would he eventually come up with on his own abigail helps out uh, along the way so I mean, yes, he's worked with Ian and has Riley, but it also shows it's like, yeah, you know, this isn't a one man effort again. I don't know if um, it was deliberate, but it kind of goes into the whole, f- plays into what the Freemasons thing is. You know, like this treasure is un- is bigger than bigger than one person. I wonder if that was supposed to be metaphorical or, hey, we gotta put John Boyd and we have to have a love interest as well. Who knows? Do you, Jake?
2: mm mm-hmm.
0: Consummate professional. I was listening. <laughs> Kidding. I love how he keeps drawing pipes and, like, other stuff on the side of this. He's doodling, but it's also connected. No, it, it's, yeah. Or it's he just, just a, wants to buy a pipe. <laughs> it's just a very nice, um, nice little, like, detail that does make it seem realistic.
3: Yeah.
0: I also like how the bad guys stay at the Watergate Hotel in this.
1: Yeah. Oh, do they? Yeah.
0: It's very funny. And it's also, like, apparently, like I was reading that the heroes use Google and the bad guys use Bing. Or, um, I can't... Admit, maybe <laughs> they use different... They use different search engines and it's like... It's like, oh, you can tell Google know. paid more money for the product placement.
1: Is that true? I don't know if Microsoft would sign off on something like that. When, they, did they even, when did they use search engines in this movie? When they
3: search up the Liberty Bell part oh. um, a little bit. See, if this were a Sony movie, everyone would just use
0: Bing. Yeah. Even though no one uses uh, Bing, everybody
1: would be using Sony products. Everyone would have like a camcorder, and no one would be using their phone to film stuff.
3: Only people who use Bing are on accident, or older people who accidentally Quick find running, it. Pull
1: out their Sony BIOS, so we can figure out the secret.
2: <laughs> what are you
0: doing? No, nothing. Let's watch Judas solve yeah. this thing. Closest relatives first. Go find his mother, who may not be dead.
1: She faked her own death, and then became a the college, truth college was professor. Discovered in the middle, yeah, she faked her death and became a successful college professor using her original name. Um, they only found out the truth between movies. Yeah,
0: I love this joke. <clears throat> Did not expect to hear that joke in a Disney movie growing up. Oh. And also, what does that say about... Um, you? No, what does that say about John Voight and Nicolas Cage's relationship that his 35-year-old how old cages Cage is in this movie, sung, I'm saying, I'm in trouble, Dad, that he automatically assumes it has to be that. I think, you know, Ben Gates has some, like, you know, children that he's going to owe a lot of alimony and parental payments to.
1: After yeah, they know, find this treasure. You know, Ben, raising a child is a big responsibility for a 41-year-old like you.
3: <laughs> I think we need a prequel Benjamin Gates series, like an animated show about a teenage Ben Gates getting all sorts of trouble.
1: Like a baby national treasure show? I could see that as like a cartoon.
3: I'd be fine with that if it was like a teenage Gate Ben Gates or something. He just runs away from home, gets in all these sort of, th- and not just like American stuff, just worldwide stuff too. You know, kind Indiana. of like young Indiana Jones. Honestly, i that that would suit Benjamin Gates yeah. better than young Indiana Jones. I I, I could buy that. Yeah, I, no, that was only partial. Uh, I'm okay Sunday. with
1: this only if Nick like yeah, was gonna say. Can like yeah, really, they just dress him up like a teenager, like Steve Buscemi in that thirty rock episode.
0: Or, or Martin Short in everyone's favorite movie, Clifford no one remembers that yeah martin short played like a 10 year old kid in a movie and it wasn't like a big scenario it's just he's supposed to be 10 years old and everyone in this world is accepting of a 40 year old man just walking on his knees sometimes sometimes just walking completely upright is a 10 year old it's a terrible movie but i love it and
3: we're doing it next week i won't be here next week i'm boy that
1: escalated fast
3: i uh i'll be out of town so watch if you want to do that commentary. Feel free. By myself.
0: This is a nice character moment between the two of them, where you can see like he's like just pissed that he like wasted however much of his life. Now I don't know how old he's supposed to be in the opening scene, but you know that he wasted at least like thirty to forty years of his life. Well, he's
2: about
0: age right now. Uh <laughs> um, <laughs> Bleep it out, uh but yeah, that he wasted his life and he's kind of like as you know terrible their relationship is. He doesn't want to see his son go down the same path that he did. Mm-hmm. And you do see like other than Riley, he has no one in his life. You have to wonder like how close him and Riley are. I know when we get um, National Treasure babies, they'll been best friends for life. But I always envisioned him getting him shortly before you know, becoming, like, tied up with Ian. I,
2: I
3: imagine Riley was just found on Craigslist. Yeah. Benjamin needed someone, and then he answered, and then he just kind of stuck with him.
0: Yeah, at earliest,
3: I imagine, college age as earliest, so... Yeah, maybe Ben was, like, an adjunct professor or something, at best, Yeah, and they met that way. Or Riley tried to break into something, and they had, like, a mutual... I don't know. Or they're both an AA, and they met that <laughs> way. Aren't
1: they so... They're actually gonna do like a National Treasure TV show on Disney Plus.
0: Yeah, seems so.
1: They they are developing a movie and a TV show apparently. Yeah. Well, and they
0: you know they set up at the end of you know Book of Shadows, uh, they set up the sequel idea, and it's actually really funny on the commentary. They have um, John Turtletub and um, John Voight doing the commentary, and they do like a funny joke where they, f- funny in air quotes. Um, where they talk about, like, oh, what's on the hidden page that um, the president wants them to look on to setting up National Chargers 3. And they're like, oh, well, I'll tell you exactly what's on it. And then, like, you just hear the their microphones, like, fuzz out, like, static. And then they come back. It's like, that's exactly what's going to happen in the third one. So they have been setting up at least a base idea for, you know, since the second one. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with it now.
1: I wouldn't be surprised if they just went and did a different idea.
0: I want that... Yeah, they better fucking solve that cliffhanger.
1: Oh, no, it's like a super obvious you know, cliffhanger that they should solve, but, like... Even though, that, mean, even though like, that president's been gone, gone. If they haven't made the movie already, there probably wasn't a ton of inspiration behind pursuing that storyline. They'll probably just do their own thing yeah. this many years later. I,
3: I think that, if anything, they'll just take care of it in, the op- in like, the opening sequence. Yeah, probably. just get it out of the way. There you go, that's good. Yeah. yeah
0: well and yeah i will talk about as we get a little closer there was an alternate ending to this one that they didn't like the idea of it setting up a specific sequel um we'll get to that a little closer at the end but yeah yeah it is interesting because they did i remember reading like when i was excited like oh they might do more and all that like reading that like the um domain name national treasure three four five and six had all been bought by disney and it's very clear now they were just you know parking those domains just in case that there wasn't at the time a plan to do a six movie saga in the National Treasure series, but one can hope.
3: I don't give a shit about one the, can hope. I don't give a shit about the Disney Plus show. I yeah. care more about the movie. Well if I'm correct, he's not even Nicholas Cage isn't even gonna be in the series. He probably will be. He'll be in the pilot and he'll they'll do the fucking passing of the baton yeah. thing.
1: I am gonna keep an open mind until I see it.
3: We'll see. Well tell me tell me how it is.
1: If Nick Cage is saying it, I mean, I will 100% watch it. I'll watch the pilot if he's in it.
3: Yeah.
0: Well, Jake, it's either watch the entire series of National Treasure or we watch the Jumanji
3: animated series. Is there a gun and a bullet as a choice? No, I'm kidding. It's not that bad. I'd probably (laughs) rather choose National Treasure. It's kind of like Russian revolution.
1: For every episode. <laughs> you can either watch an episode or you gotta you gotta spin the gun and uh take a shot. For the Jumanji animated show. That wasn't even that bad.
0: Yeah, we randomly well, we're
1: not watching it. I'm gonna <laughs> make this very clear.
0: Yeah, we randomly it's become a running joke with us about the the animated series for Jumanji, which is a very weird show, but there you go. We're gonna watch it all.
1: Where did you uh where did you get that DVD?
0: Yeah, we had had a running joke, and then I saw it the first season for a dollar at the Dollar Tree, and I'm like, "This is worth the joke enough for me to pay a dollar to just put this on when they come over one time." And I take it that was essential
1: business during this coronavirus pandemic.
0: Yes.
3: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking beat someone over the head for it. Looting. Oh yeah!
0: Every, While well, everyone else was going to the toilet paper <laughs> section, I was going to the DVD section to get that and a bunch of Christian pure flicks movies.
1: That's funny. They had Jumanji the animated <laughs> series there. Yeah. UPN must have struck a hot deal with Dollar Tree.
3: They're the only ones who'd want to buy it. I don't know if it's that funny that you found it there. I think it's pretty. I think it makes a lot of sense.
0: Well, I've, looking through their movie <laughs>
3: section there, I have just
0: found like legit like movies, but movies that people don't care about nearly as much anymore, more like Fletch and it's like I feel like these what? the Chevy Chase movie
3: oh yeah I know that
0: these were like movies that like 10 15 years ago were being put for 20 bucks at the store and then no one really wanted they've made their way to the $5 bin at like Walmart and Target and then that didn't work so Dollar Tree is like we'll buy all the stock of these movies that no one wants and we'll maybe
3: make a dollar off of it. Well you say Dollar Tree said we're going to buy stock. <laughs> yes.
1: You no, know, you joke But they're probably doing pretty good as an essential business, all things considered right now.
0: Listen, I need my decorations that cost a dollar and the food that I don't know if is safe for human consumption.
3: funny if the Dollar Tree just started price gouging. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Two dollars? Two ha- dollar Tree. They have that joke in
0: Futurama. They have the episode where everyone gets $300 and you see... The $0.99 store turns into the $299.99 store.
3: (laughs) Uh, Futurama. A show that I laugh at when someone tells me a joke, but a show I'll probably never watch. Well, next week we're doing the pilot.
0: I'm going to be out of town next week. I love this uh, beautiful mind. Jake Satterville is filling
1: up really fast (laughs) over the course of this commentary.
0: He's, he's gotta go to Disney World uh, or Unifor, uh, he's gotta get his hair uh, this will be a great artifact you know six years from now when we're
3: still in lockdown
1: <laughs> this is a nice Riley moment here yeah I mean, Riley gets to actually do something and not just make jokes yeah no this is good yeah. this
3: is a, a nice reveal yeah because like what's this kid up to but I like that he's like a beautiful
0: mind with like the glowing letters because <laughs> the audience is stupid and doesn't get what the kid's
1: doing <laughs>
0: I I
2: mean,
1: the kid has a, a larger mind. intelligence than the majority of the audience.
3: <laughs> he's actually gonna be the star of the filmmaker. series. I, th- I thought you were like I th- the kid has a beautiful mind. I'm like, what? <laughs> uh, no, he's just imagining Riley. <laughs> like this is all in his head. <laughs>
0: so he's like the Paul Bettany character. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the series is gonna be about. The national treasure is him. Oh, way to make health.
3: No, that me. With- this kid is gonna be the main character in the.
0: I just said that. Oh am I a beautiful mind right now? Am I, like, not real?
1: Well, Jake didn't realize it because he didn't glow white when he made the
0: suggestion. <laughs> I like, though, this does show, even though Ian is evil, he's kind of, like, he's not, like, going to shoot the kid in the head. He's like, he's like oh, a well, kid, you know, he's fine. It's, it's nice to see kids learning, and then, like, oh, wait a minute
3: well hey, Ben's I mean he uh, what, what, Ian he's not evil again. Like no like I'm saying out. he's like practical they, yeah he yeah. only tries killing ben, ben and
0: Riley when they like refuse to help and then Ben's like I'm gonna fucking blow up the ship
1: he's practically like evil in a practical sense yeah. he's at the end you know he crosses some lines but um, he's not like mustache twirling or something like that he's just trying to get something before this other guy
3: does he's a Machiavellian which he does they what he needs to do. Yeah,
1: yeah exactly.
0: And you know, again, I don't know will ever do the second one, but um, they pushed that envelope a little too far in the second one originally with um, said with Woody Harrelson. Um, <laughs> we
3: <Woody. laughs> should be the villain in the next My father, Ed Harris, died in that tomb. <laughs> but with Ed Harris now, <laughs> you're gonna pay, Ben. Originally, Ed Harris
0: actually stabbed um, John Voigt in the movie, like, towards the end. Oh, yeah. So, like, that when you watch, like, at the end, you see, like, they're all breathing heavily because they've just escaped the thing. But, like, you know, Ed, um, Jonathan Voight is, um, like, breathing a lot heavier because he was originally supposed to be bleeding out. But Disney's, like, <laughs> you can't have... The bad guy who really hasn't done anything that bad stab an elderly man (laughs) (laughs) you can't have
3: the one elderly man stab the other elderly man exactly i met ed harris once well i didn't really meet him but he stood next to me shorter than you think huh as are many actors
1: ed harris if you're listening to this be alarmed
0: (laughs) (laughs) he's our seventh longest subscriber i'm losing count of how many if we don't even have that many actual
3: subscribers i'm trying to imagine ed harris commenting on these videos Great commentary. Looking forward to next. Yeah.
1: Sorry, I've just been distracted by Nicolas Cage on clothing in this past scene.
3: I like that jacket. Hers.
0: Yeah. I mean, both of them them have good looks through the rest of the movie now. I mean, I love his Elvis 1970s flared um, collar dress shirt in the... um, scene when he's going to visit and they're going to with her and for the first time and all that but i like this maybe because i've seen this movie so many times so i feel like this is a pretty cool looking set of costumes for what they need to yeah it's, it's practical but you know
3: it workable for them and then Raleigh looks the same yeah that is a nice denim jacket nick cage has that, and
0: a nice sweater
3: hmm What do you have to add, Jacob?
1: This is very exciting.
0: You know, my dad said, he, since he likes National Treasure, he's like, oh, I really like that. It's probably the first movie we've done that he knows anything about. So I told him, maybe you should listen to this.
3: You should put a, a coded message in the commentary for him to solve. Okay.
1: Wow, how is he going to figure this one out?
3: Using the code in the Silence 2 good letters. Because just send him on a treasure hunt. He's going to have to break into a building to, to decipher uh, it. And then it's just, hey, can you pick this up from the grocery store? <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, it's actually funny, though, that it could bring, brings up a thing that I was mentioning to the Jakes before. Um, I wanted to tell them about the opening alternate opening scene of the ending credits. Uh, the alternate ending, I should say. I was originally going to show it to them, but the DVD that we were originally going to watch some before we realized maybe we could just do this on Disney Plus instead. Uh, The DVD had a fun gimmick for when you were a little kid, frustrating gimmick for when you're an adult of hiding most of the special features behind solving puzzles. So I feel like that would be the same thing. You had to watch like a bunch of little puzzles to unlock everything else to get a couple alternate openings and credits. Fun as a kid, not as an adult. Shut up, Jake. Why? Uh... All this effort
1: to go and watch the National Treasure Alternate ending. Yeah. You guys spend like 30 minutes trying to figure out the DVD puzzle.
3: It, it literally was that, yeah. Let me guess, was you didn't solve it till college? No, no I got this again. Okay. okay,
1: good. <laughs> you need you like a crack team of like Riley and Diane Kruger and <laughs> to try and solve it.
3: I don't know what was more difficult, Lego Island or the National Treasure DVD menu. I beat, I beat Lego Island as a kid. It was just that one Scooby-Doo game,
0: that Harry Potter game, that Ninja Turtles game. PlayStation games were hard.
3: Oh, yeah. Was,
1: was there a National Treasure game? I, there was a I mobile know, game. I feel like I'm scraping the bottom, the low-hanging. Oh, they the use
0: window. Yahoo, not Bing. <laughs> um thanks yeah no there was a mobile game i remember it was advertised like on the TV, like it was like an insert for like your nokia like flip phone or Did whatever see,
1: wait, a, a mobile game what was it for like track phone
0: <laughs> yeah and i don't know it was probably just like here you know, do a word puzzle find treasure and declaration and independence in a word puzzle or something like that played
1: voice clips of nick cage every time you get one right you got it <laughs>
0: But it's actually not even Nick Cage. It's someone who doesn't really sound like Nick Cage, but who's supposed to be his character. Because that's what those early games are like. Couldn't actually license the voice actor.
1: I mean, I'd be pretty honored to be the Nick Cage impersonator.
0: I love apparently Tom Hanks' brother, Jim, does like all the stuff for like, the Toy Story, like toys and video games. Wait, really? Yeah.
3: Wait, I Tom Hanks got a brother? Yeah. His name's Jim Hanks? <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. I actually remember that, because he was... Uh, he was the voice in that Buzz Lightyear
0: movie. Yeah, for the rapper. And it's like, okay, I get like that in the video games when you have to have him saying like different things that you never said in the movies, but it's like, I never got it for the toys. It's like, you already have the audio files of Tom Hanks way back in the first one saying, there's a snake in my boots and you got a friend of me. And all that, that costs cost a lot. Yeah, maybe for the licensing, I don't know. Or maybe he's throwing his brother a bone. It's like, you can't use it. Get Jimmy in here to do it. Jim Hanks. Eventually he's going to be like, oh, Chet needs money. He's
3: got a deal for Toy Story 5. I need need bail money for Chet. Oh, fuck. (laughs) Jacob, what do you have to say about this? Come on. I have nothing. Oh, come on. We all love Tom Hanks. You know who doesn't love him? (laughs) Um, His ex-wife... Exactly, that's oh, the joke. I mean, I, I imagine even she likes him. I think she's dead, actually.
0: <laughs> I, I think she actually is, though. So. Oh, that's not true,
1: is it? I feel like it is.
0: I'll look well, it. I'll put you it up. Feel I'll, like it is. I'll or? put it up. On, I feel like I've heard
3: that. I'll well, put that it up on the screen. True. I'll put it up on screen if it is. Okay, make sure to put up on the part when Nick Cage looks through the glasses. <laughs> that's the secret. <laughs> that's the Tom truth. Hanks' ex-wife is still alive. <laughs>
0: And she's going to just put up her obituary. <laughs> also, none of us have been drinking.
3: This is just us sober. Okay, this is what you call a Wednesday night. We're getting punch drunk.
0: Oh god. This is just great. Like I, I truly do love like the friggin' like X-ray buy full, 3D bifocal glasses with the red and blue
1: lenses. The red and blue lenses are amazing. Yeah.
0: I mean I guess that would actually work for the color, but it feels a little too cheesy. Like they're like wearing 3D glasses from the nineteen fifties. That's what they get got. It's just Biff's henchmen from Back <laughs> to the Future one can do it. <laughs> Be sure to drink your Ovaltine. It's a reference. Yes.
2: them finding
3: more clues yeah that's what john boyd said always one more clue
0: i do find it it, it reminds me of what they said on um, red letter media said about um, thanos with endgame or with Infinity war that it took 125 years or something like that for them to find Charlotte, and then they find all the other clues like, two days. It's like how Thanos, like, spent 10 years trying to get, like, one Infinity Stone, and then gets the rest in, like, 48 hours.
1: Well, in fairness, Thanos did that because he went and got them all as soon as he found out where they were all located, because he captured uh, Nebula and found out the location, or at least found out that uh, Gamora knew where the last one was.
0: Well, either way. It's still just...
1: But, it's fun but, to make fun. Yeah, really, but yeah. no. I guess
0: you. I guess it just shows that Ben's family is really fucking stupid. That it takes him... Well, the, we don't know how long he was on the trail. It's like John
1: Boyd was very dismissive of it, too. He didn't, uh, he didn't a, take much stock in it in the first
0: place. He spent a couple decades doing it. His grandfather did his whole life. The grandfather before that who watched his father be murdered in the second one. That guy. That guy's father, who was the Hannah Montana brother, so... Like five generations of morons is what I'm reaching for. Hmm. At me Gates family. I oh should. Bill Gates is going to be pissed off at me now. Oh my god! Could you imagine if I get the third like one? They show that like they keep referencing it's like you know your brother. Yeah. <laughs> it's Bill Gates at the end. Yeah, your brother. You know, he he
3: did something with his life. Why can't you be more like your brother? And then go to Seattle. He's stuck at the Microsoft headquarters.
0: Oh, we have to go find Lewis and Clark's treasure. Bill! <laughs> Bill! Ben! Is Bill just
1: going to be on the adventure right now? God. I hope so.
0: <laughs> Disney Plus, make it happen. Who plays Bill Gates? Is Bill it Gates. Yeah. Gates, yeah. Or, or we get Anthony Michael Hall reprising his role from that TNT Pirates of Silicon Valley movie.
1: <laughs> that's actually... That's... that's funny that's fun casting i appreciate
3: that no Noah wiley i think will forever be the best steve I, Jobs. I, you know i've about to say that he was a very good steve jobs you know going back though just
0: a few minutes ago to while when they were in the independence hall even though it's a little cheesy that they're like oh we're an unfurl the declaration here and look at it you know even though that could be cheesy you know they do the throwaway joke of come on ben there's another group coming in i do like the whole you know Ben, it feels very logical that Ben would want to kind of hold up like con let's do this here let's you know like he, he inadvertently or subconsciously wants to do it there because it's the room they originally signed it in that I think it plays to his character
3: yeah it yeah. works it's it provides a moment a cinematic moment that's too good to pass up you you want to include that in something like this but it, like you said it comes from very character feels character, character based different. yeah, yeah.
0: I have to wonder, because I I feel like this is a real graveyard. Like, how they did this? Like, to place, like, gravestones (laughs) in a tightly packed graveyard that they could then blow up? Or was this a fake graveyard that they fucking placed?
1: This was a fake graveyard.
3: Yeah. Uh, This is probably, like, a vacant, like, a parking lot or something that they. I'm sure the
1: families would have all been very happy to see those graves desecrated, but. (laughs) Oh, that's what I'm saying. If
3: it's a real
0: graveyard, they had to find space, but. Which is funny, because. I found out this past Christmas when I was watching the George C. Scott Christmas Carol, um, when they get to the famous scene in Christmas Carol where he sees his grave, his tombstone, with his name on it. Apparently, that's like a real tombstone from that church, wherever in England that they filmed in, from like the 1700s, and the name's just like worn off. And they're like, "Yeah, we'll chisel Ebenezer Scrooge over someone's actual grave." Like they couldn't just get a, they just couldn't get a piece of granite. They're like, "No, we got to desecrate a real tombstone here."
1: Talking about Cutting costs, and
0: it's still there to this day. Like that's like the church, like apparently like advertises. Like, see Ebenezer Scrooge's grave.
2: Oof! All
1: right.
0: I think this is a very well done chase scene. Like it's doing a good job making it dynamic. You know, you feel like you know where everyone is, even though you don't necessarily know the land of Boston and all that, but. Or, sorry, Philadelphia, but it's, I think, well-paced.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, they even, like, when they're walking, you get a sense of, like, the geography of the initial part, at least. And it's shot in a very classical way, so you can see what's happening. It it works.
3: Exactly.
0: I mean, I don't think it is completely like accurately but yeah if you told me like oh no like they were able like all this would have been in real time like running around that you could run to where they are from Independence Hall and he could have ran to where he is I would believe it like I think it's shot that
1: well well it's just like you understand at least like the geography of everything
0: yeah oh no it's just like that scene in Ghostbusters too with the baby carriage in the street His favorite movie Jake
3: Don't tell me we're doing that. I was counter. about to talk
1: about how the uh, that scene was a good example where you know she goes out in the middle of the street. You know she's in the middle of the street and you know there's, it's dangerous because the car goes over. Yeah. Establishing the stakes of having to run out and get it before it's run over. But cool. I don't know what. What about Ghostbusters Two?
0: About the baby carriage at the beginning. But no, you're right. And I mean, they show the. Um, street sweeper like early enough that you're like oh holy shit are they gonna lose the Declaration of Independence you know as a kid it, it so got me like, thinking like, that
1: what happen it establishes the stakes like, yeah. of this brief moment where it's in danger of being run over she has to run out into the street to grab it put herself in danger It's good it's just a, that's how you construct a beat in an action scene in like an adventure
3: film like this hmm. yeah was that that actually looked familiar though he's the in guy. the second one not the, the, the guy in the brown here, no. the, the other one. The oh, no, one. Not,
1: not Nicolas Cage, yeah. the other guy.
3: They actually did
0: do a good level of continuity, getting like, these background FBI agents to be in the second one, but yeah, I've always let the guy look familiar, too. Um,
3: I'll
0: look it up for you.
1: Is it Cabe from The Office?
0: <laughs> a little too young for him, I think,
3: to be. He looks That guy looks like Jean-Ralphio from Parks and Rec. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah, him. Oh, I know who it is. I forgot his name. What he been in? He's in Lost.
0: I always thought he looked like the guy from Thirteen Ghosts who got like sliced in half at the beginning. That yeah, you know, that great effect.
3: <laughs> Maybe he's just a
0: blondish guy in a business suit motif going on. Thirteen Ghosts
1: or Ghost Show?
0: Thirteen Ghosts. Oh. Uh, okay. Oh no. I no go yeah, oh wow, those movies really did have a motif of people getting cut in half. No, and Thirteen Ghosts of Scooby Doo. No, um, which it's because it has Matthew Lillard in it. Um they have like this guy he backs into like a closing glass door and it just like slices him half in half um vertically. So like they do oh. like the whole like his tie falls off type thing and then he slides is, down.
3: Is Harvey Keitel wearing eyeshadow
0: or mascara? It kind of looks. Like I feel it. like it could be. I mean, I know they do put makeup on
3: people to accentuate yeah, stuff. It looks like mascara.
1: Yeah, I can see it. it kind of reminds me of uh, the mayor from The Dark Knight.
3: That that's it's just mayor I, him. That's just <laughs> what he looks like.
1: I've heard conflicting reports on that. Are you sure? I'm positive. I've heard conflicting reports. Oh, oh
3: all right. Because he's in Lost, and he, he looks the same there, so... Maybe... They said
1: that once, that... Because this was uh back in the IMDb um, FAQ, where one person had said that he just has naturally... Um, dark eyes. Dark eyes, and then another person said... I think the actor may have even said that. He put the, um, like, a little bit of mascara or something on to give himself, like, a Frank Miller look.
3: Wait, Frank Miller?
1: Yeah, I'm just saying what the actor said. Wait,
3: f- which Frank... Frank Miller are we thinking of the same Frank Miller I'm t- thinking of or are we thinking of the a different book, really
1: yeah I'll look this up
3: wait wait yeah, that's that's odd
1: it is very odd
3: Nestor Carbonell was inspired by this was Frank the Miller's was looks back in the day. I, that's yeah. gotta be bullshit I, kinda, I for, although I, that is up. so strange but I guess maybe I could believe that but
1: Oh my god, if you Google this, there's like tons of stuff on
2: this. <laughs> really?
1: This is a whole thing. Oh
0: wow. I wonder if he's gonna go without the agents. I've actually been on the um, Independence. No. Or, yeah, it's a great ship. I have not. It's a cool museum. I actually went like right before the movie came out, so like when I went to see this in the theater, it's like, oh wow, or sorry, the Intrepid, not but um, it's a cool museum.
1: Yeah, this is like the whole thing. Oh my god! Every other article says the opposite thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna say I don't know. And i'm going to leave it at that this is a uh this will be a mystery for the times
0: exactly
1: i don't want to know now the, the mystery is more exciting than the answer
0: i like his fishing metaphor here it's true it never works out for the bait then we go through a lot of different metaphors in like this scene you know, he's the bait, and it's fishing. Go through door option, door one, door two, you now I'm going to make door three. So there, we're going through a lot of different metaphors for Gates's um, usage in this and what the FBI plans for him.
1: Most of those FBI oh. agents have English degrees.
0: Oh, shit. That's dokes from Dexter. I just, I just realized as you were about to say it, yeah.
3: Oh, fuck. Surprise, motherfucker. Surprise, motherfucker. You want creepy motherfucker, Dexter. Some fraud, motherfucker. Are we talking
1: about Dexter's Laboratory? No. Yes.
3: No. No, we are not. <laughs> what you don't like that show? No, I like it fine. <laughs> <laughs> you acted like the producer of Dexter like ran you off the road or something.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: acted Like I just referenced Cinemasins. <laughs> I didn't.
3: I don't hate Cinemasins. I'm pretty apathetic too. I just, I have a passionate apathy of Cinemasins. Anyway, Maybe so back to National Treasure.
0: Back to National Treasure three, Electric Boogaloo. Wait, hold
1: on. Sadusky was talking.
3: Is it's it's Sadusky not
0: Sandusky, right? This is Sadusky. Okay, could you imagine if this movie starred um what what's his face Sandusky from Penn State, Roger Sandusky, okay. Tim Van Dusky, Sandusky? Oh my God! What the fuck? <laughs> I'm not sure. What was his name?
3: I think. <laughs> I think I'm going to say Sandusky. Like, what happened? Just, like, um, you, where, where did this go? It's,
1: it's out of it. the so Hold on, we got to start the movie over now. We're too <laughs> off track. Everybody rewind, rewind your commentaries. Not the movie, just the commentary.
0: It'll line up. Work out eventually. He just slammed the deck below. It wasn't above water at all. <laughs> oh, God. I don't It'll know what's worse about... Worse, jumping up from that height or being in the East River. Or Hudson. I think Sorry, it's Being Hudson.
2: in the Hudson River.
3: Yeah.
0: I remember it's the Hudson because they see the line coming up. It's the Hudson. There's no visibility. I'm just reminded when they grab his leg from that scene from the fourth Harry Potter movie during the Triwizard top cut. Oh, the... When the mermaids grab him.
3: The Grindylows? Yeah, whatever.
1: I don't know, was that in Hudson
3: also? <laughs> the Grindylow grabs Nicholas Cage. It was very <laughs>
1: magical. That's just what comes out of the Hudson. <laughs> Are
0: they actually <laughs> called the Grindywalls? Because oh. that's... That sounds something <laughs> stupid like J.K. Rowling Bra- <laughs> would create, but instead of saying what it actually is, but who knows. God, I'm just imagining Nicolas Cage having to be in the fucking Hudson River. This probably wasn't the Hudson, It's probably a lake. Yeah, you see the skyline in the background, he's drenched. I,
3: I'm pretty sure they didn't have the star of your multi-million dollar movie, Get Into the Hudson.
0: You don't know. He's a method actor.
3: I mean, he would. I th- I feel like he'd be game for it, or not. Maybe he would. You know, prize his uh, his health over his craft. I don't. I don't know. I
1: feel like he's into the performative aspects. The stunt aspects would probably be a little bit more
3: take it or leave it. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point.
0: Do you guys remember that Seinfeld episode where Kramer starts swimming in the East River, but mm-hmm. no one wants no to be around because he fucking reeks?
3: Are there's the later seasons of Seinfeld? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Remember when Internet cafes were a huge thing. Yeah. No, I, I actually don't. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> we're not that old. No.
1: <laughs> Using cafes for internet is still big amongst assistants. Uh, okay. And writers.
3: Really? Yeah. Oh, wait. They still have internet cafes? What no, he mean? means like a Starbucks cafe. Yeah, like a
1: Starbucks. Oh, oh, but oh. Okay. Where you can use their Wi-Fi.
3: I don't know. I don't know how you're supposed to get any fucking writing down here in a Starbucks.
1: I'd just be ordering
0: too many like, croissants. be like, spend my entire paycheck on croissants. I don't even like croissants, but I'll buy them
1: when I'm there. I do it at Dunkin' Donuts. I just think of that family. That's where I write. I just
0: think <laughs> <Dunkin'> of <Donuts>. that. <laughs> if I were back home, I'd write at Tim Hortons
3: and I would get all the Tim bits they had. I just think of that family guy joke in Starbucks when the guy's writing his screenplay. Like, that's what I think of. I just. <laughs> I don't know. I, I no, I agree. I agree. I, I, um, you're right. Go into a room with the door closed.
0: By the way, I miss the old New York license plates. No, I don't. They were terrible.
3: <laughs> I like
0: the old New York license plates.
3: The blue the ones? ones?
0: The one with like the falls out of the Empire State Building. Yeah, yeah, I, I like I, that I, one. I like the new ones better. The mm, these
3: ones. ones now?
0: Yeah. Mm. Are the prison-themed ones? Yes. <laughs>
3: yes. Yeah.
0: I think we could all agree the best one was the one with the Statue of Liberty on it, even though that technically isn't in New York State. Yeah, the one from Ghostbusters too. The entire climax of that movie re- requires our four heroes to stare at a license plate. That's the best part of that movie. But anyways, back to National Treasure two. I feel like that was ad loved him saying Cheerio. And I feel like it cut so quickly because Sean Bean then
3: decked him for saying it like that.
1: Well, that's funny. He just one-upped him.
3: Yeah. Actually, oh, we forgot to mention that Nick Cage and John Turturro were high school friends.
0: Oh, they were. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Huh. Yeah, I just know they've worked together before, but... I really well,
1: they ended know. up working on, uh... Not Season of the Witch. The Sorcerer's, Sorcerer's apprentice. apprentice. Yeah, that's, a. Uh, that killed the friendship. That one felt very compromised to me when I watched it. Yeah. Yeah, it felt like it was really cut out. However, I also watched it on TBS, so maybe that had something to do it. literally sure. was cut out. I thought it was a really big flaw on the filmmaker's part to cut out all the swear words <laughs> They had in very obvious overdubs by different actors. I don't know what they were thinking there, artistic.
0: You tell me John McLean doesn't say yippee kaye, Mr. Fel- Falcon?
3: Wait, is that an actual TV edit?
0: Yeah. Yeah, even though no one in the movie is named Mister Falcon, yeah, I just love listening to those like <laughs> dubs of swear words. I think my favorite is um, John Goodman and um, Big Lupa. Oh yeah! <laughs> oh, that's great. Find a Stranger in the
3: Alps. <laughs> I think the snakes on the play one. My favorite?
1: I, I that one's like a, that one's like so good it's, it's a joke. I couldn't. It's definitely a joke. Well,
3: I was looking forward to the television premiere just to see what what they would come up with, and it did not disappoint. <laughs> yeah. Well, the
0: best part is like that's not even the sound of like like they filmed that because they knew that would be a problem I guess. So it's like that I feel I like just Sam Jackson like saying that is the best <laughs> thing ever. It's not a sound like that's really him saying it. It's that's beautiful. not a sound like. I think they feel if I remember correctly they
3: like no. They filmed that. I remember. I don't know if it was a sound alike, but it's definitely overdubbed. Well, yeah. Okay, I remember. So. Strap yourselves in. We're gonna open some freaking windows. <laughs> it was. Uh, <laughs>
1: I've had it with these monkey fighting stakes on this Monday to Friday plane. Jesus. Strap yourselves in. <laughs> yeah.
0: And then Keenan Thompson lands the plane because he played flight simulator. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That, we're going to do that
3: next. I've actually never seen Snakes on a Plane.
0: You haven't? No. Yes, yeah, you know. It's, it's not, right. it's not bad, horrible, like,
3: yeah, but it's well, not good. I think the problem was it was trying to be a, a so bad it's good yeah. movie when that's not how that works.
1: Well, you know what? Honestly, I thought it was just more like, just like, okay. It was like, you know, it wasn't super over the top. It was just like, you know, it was fine. That's that's my criticism of it. <laughs> It'll yeah. be a very
0: interesting commentary track when we
1: do it. Honestly, it probably wouldn't be because that would sort of be what I would say throughout the whole thing okay. until you get to the line. You're like, "Up there's the line." The rest of it's like, eh, "This is all right."
0: Yeah. Um, by the way, I like um, John Voice being pa- passive aggressive when you know Ian's like, "Well, why would the clue bring us here?" But then take us somewhere else. He's like, "Just another clue." You know, being a passive aggressive. dance like. God damn these guys have guns they're gonna murder us yeah shut the fuck up he even says that's the, great uh, even, I, I like that well he even says in the maze like remember they only need us until the status quo was changed so it's like 10 seconds later late, he's like yeah right here he's like listen they're gonna fucking murder us you got, we gotta be keep our wits about us it's like yeah then don't insult them it's like yeah it's just another clue you fucking moron
1: I, I like the uh, I love the tension that it yeah. makes between yeah. them and the way those characters clash just, Again, it's it, like you know, even menial scenes like them just walking through the cathedral.
2: Yeah.
1: It's all you know. Their interactions are all grained in character.
2: Well, l-
3: let's try to think of something they could do for the third. What American history historical event could they?
1: Put the great hidden telekinesis of the lost symbol, <laughs> is the
0: obvious choice.
3: Besides that, like what? Which era could they focus on? Is.
0: Watergate tapes. Uh, um, that's what Chris Plummer's character worked for the Nixon administration trying to find out who Charlotte was. And they have to find out what the 18, minute, 18 and a half minute gap was to tell where the great treasure of
1: Grover Cleveland is buried. World War II and the Nazis.
0: Probably would be the more.
3: Uh.
1: Honestly, I heard uh, Nick Cage wants them to go international.
3: I mean, they already did the second one. So, it'd be international treasure? That's the title. I mean, as long as it's, like, American treasure-based. Yeah, well, that's, that's I mean, even
0: though they go all over the world, it is still a treasure buried in, like, Abe Lincoln's head in Mount Rushmore or something
2: like that.
1: If it comes out and it's international treasure, are we going to get, like, crazy people that go, like, want it to be American again, and they're going to be like, make national treasure great again? Probably. (laughs) That can be our new cultural battleground. Oh, God. National treasure sequel. Nick Cage will be at the
3: center of it all. Yeah, okay. I just want to make the greatest movie possible.
0: <laughs> Listen, I gotta pay off the, the T-Rex head I bought. I just, can we just go see this? Oh, God. Yeah, that's
1: right, the T-Rex head.
0: <laughs> I was joking. I forgot he bought a T-Rex and I knew he bought fossils. I forgot it specifically was that. Could you imagine, though, going over to his house and just like imagine for the sake of this, like he uses it as a coffee table. He just has like a pane of glass over the top of the T Rex skull. That's what I would do if I had stupid amounts of money or thought I had stupid amounts of money, I should say.
3: Sorry, Nick Cage. Hey, don't you dare call it stupid amounts of money. He has no amount of money. He's got, to, he's got to, like, have a mortgage on that pyramid
0: and pyramid or tombstone he's going to have.
1: We all make fun of how Nick Cage spent, you know, quite a bit of his money, but and on silly things. But a lot first, of it also it was, just that. It was yeah. silly and harmless. Well, didn't he have a
0: lot of money actually bamboozled away from him, like, from, an, like, an accountant or something like that, too? Not that I'm aware of. Because I know that's what happened to Abbott and Costello, so maybe I'm just confusing Nicolas Cage for Abbott and Costello.
1: It's all, it's all very harmless unless yeah. you know i guess he used, know, he used broke, his, spend it all but if, he used know, his what? money to
0: like fund like drug wars or something like that it wasn't all heartless stupid stuff now my dad always said like when we were watching this he, i always remember him saying this is so ridiculous imagining this stuff would line up after 200 years it is
3: it is stupid
0: but i i like the idea that somehow none of this gunpowder has gotten wet since 1776
3: hey, that's what it was built for they wanted him to find it. No, I'm not disputing
0: they wanted him to find. It. I'm just like, saying that the gunpowder might not work, Oh. or whatever the fuel is. This is a great set, though. Um, like set piece, obviously, like they digitally enhanced it. You know, it was only like I think two or three like levels, and then like you know they added like the pit and all that. Mm-hmm. I remember the DVD. If you saw forty five minutes worth of puzzles um had like a special feature showing like how they filmed the subsequent like henchman's death and then the you know big action set piece of them jumping around the crumbling staircase it was very interesting Mm -hmm. but even then like that line shows like some level of like smarts and like playing like okay how come this massive underground structure was never found. Oh, well, it's underneath a historical landmark and a protected cemetery. I think that's a, you know, that they showed they were thinking to make sure they gave a reason for why this was never found
1: under the most populated city in the country. And great, and it works. This is a great location. I yeah. love, like, descending into this sort of underground chamber here. Yeah. It really reminds me of early Bionicle, where the, uh, It would usually end with them having to descend into some hidden chamber under the island because something was below there. It's it's a good way of building up your climax.
0: Jacob, we watched Bionicle last time. Please don't make us relive those memories from something we definitely aren't recording out of order currently.
1: Now I'm just confused.
0: Coming June 15th, Bionicle Commentary.
1: Is this being released in, like, July or something?
0: Oh, shit. Well, that was the the joke that I was implying we had already watched Bionicle, even though we haven't. But we have. Yes, we have.
1: I mean, I've certainly watched it already. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck my own joke. Watched it more times than several of the movies that we're probably going to watch in these commentaries.
0: You mean you haven't watched The Phantom as many times as you watched Bionicle?
1: I have
3: not. He <laughs> <laughs> just drops her into the abyss.
0: <laughs> well, I, love, I love that line they have, like, after everything's over. It's like, he's she's like, I'm sorry for dropping She's like, no, I would have done the same. He's like, really? And then, like, and Riley's like, I would have dropped both of you. <laughs> Because it's really funny, because, I mean, I guess they don't know what's down there, but they're like, okay, we, we can go down and get it later. We know we won't survive, but the piece of paper will survive the fall, likely. Oh, come on.
3: Son!
2: Dad!
3: I don't know, I just liked how that showed up on the yeah. closed captions. It just said, son!
0: <laughs> she looks like she's either been shot in the armor or is having a heart attack currently.
3: Ah, my left arm. I mean, maybe she, she she got stabbed by a rusty nail. I do like Riley
0: has his joke at the end. He's like, "Yeah, I have a festering splinter that I still can't get out." It's like they would all need to get updated on their shots after this.
1: <laughs> they died of complications from their wounds. Afterward, the real
0: natural treasure was the time they spent together as they died off one by one like a steel magnolias type situation. I've never seen steel magnolias. It's about metal flowers. I think I don't know much else.
3: Okay. (laughs) They drive a jalopy, right? So here they are We're looking to... for the treasure
0: still. I can't remember if it's this movie or one of the mummy movies, but they say supposedly you can see like a statue of the Oscar in the background of the upcoming scene. And I've never been able to find it in either movie. Maybe, uh, maybe person is full of shit. Yeah. I guess you can't trust IMDB message boards. Oscar? <laughs> the Academy Award, I should say.
1: Well, I do like apparently, speaking of the movie, No, mummy. like literally, was Oscar? With? I mean, like you Like Nick Cage's? <laughs>
0: apparently it was like a giant Oscar. So I was, I, I interpreted it as being a giant one that they just borrowed from like the Academy Awards like set when they were done filming the 2003 Oscars. Um, the With st- hidden, sorry, hidden statues, um, apparently on the mummy um, ride at Universal Studios um, in Hollywood in the treasure room they had a golden statue of E.T. because that replaced the E.T. ride and then Universal found out about it. it's like no we gotta take that out so gotta kill the fun I guess but it was back to National Treasure this would have made a good theme park ride I think they could have done like a dark ride with it
3: a dark ride?
1: yeah how? How does, does like the audience get hurt at the end or something?
0: No, like I could imagine like a haunted mansion, like, you know, you're riding through like a set, bunch of, set, or your favorite ride, Pirates of the Caribbean, you're riding through some set pieces, you get some robot Nicholas Cages, or he shows up to, you know, make a little extra money on the side. Like I know they were planning on doing a ride
3: for the Atlantis movie, but that mm. didn't do very well. I just watched that the other night for the first time. Yeah.
1: It's a very good
0: movie. It's, Maybe we'll
3: do it eventually. It's good. It's solid. I hope because with the second movie, it's a you know, the the hook was, oh, I gotta kidnap the president. Like in the first one, it was gotta steal the Declaration of Independence. I hope it's not another contrivance like that where they need like another hook, another daring thing I, to do. I hope it's just like organically what the story leads to it shouldn't be for yeah. for that sake I should say yeah. if they if, if it gets to something like that great yeah, but big. it shouldn't revolve around that I think that was like kind of what made the first one special yeah and that was cool and then the second one tried to do that and it was fine but it wasn't it tried to be tried to be like them and it wasn't as successful well I think the problem
0: I think the biggest problem with the second one is it's the typical sequel problem we gotta go bigger we gotta go bigger so i mean yeah, yeah they go all over the you know east coast yeah. in the first one but it's like oh now we go all over the world and, and it doesn't seem to work nearly as well because the treasure they have in the first one they really set up well is why it would be world changing now yeah if we found a shit ton of gold like <laughs> Native american gold and a city of gold underneath mount rushmore that obviously would be worldwide news but like Having like the Library of Alexandria, which is you know a lost repository of human information and human history that's lost and stuff like that, you know, it felt bigger. So they're trying to go bigger. They certainly did the scope of locations, but not to the nearly to the level of the payoff.
3: The Library of Alexandria was always something I thought would be great for an Indiana Jones movie. I think that's like a great, shouldn't say MacGuffin, but a great thing to look to look for. Yeah, it's a very fascinating story behind that. Right, that should be good enough.
0: This was, you know, at, as a kid, I always thought this upcoming scene where they find the the like what's supposed to be the treasure room and it's empty, and then he immediately gives up, as like kind of like anticlimactic, and then it's like pointless because then thirty seconds later he find they find the treasure, like what was the point of it? But. I think, and again, I don't know if there was as much thought behind it, is he's not losing hope because he has now ruined his I life when, you know beforehand when his dad said, like, you're going to ruin your life. It's like, no, dad, I'm fine. I'm doing what I love. Now it's like, he's finally like, oh, fuck. It's gone. I've literally ruined my life. We might die down here. If I get out, I'm going to jail for the rest of my fucking life. You know, I've ruined everything that it's just like his weakness comes through like the Fears of what his father had instilled in him over the years finally comes bubbling to the surface. That's when he gets, like, really pissed with Riley that his own fears and inadequacies comes to him. But it then shows the importance of... And then actually completing the arc with him and his father's relationship when his father's like, No, you're right. There is something. We can do this together again. So... Even though in, yeah. in even though in theory it's a pointless scene, I think it speaks. Yeah, you know, does a lot to the character arcs.
3: Yeah, all in this one scene, because everything's leading towards here.
0: Yeah, I mean, it would not be near. I mean, it's definitely not great when you find it and all that that you've let up this, but I think it's even that much more powerful when. Yeah. Yeah. You, you've gone through this emotional.
3: You it's, know, it's simple, but people. it's simple but effective. This is not like a. It's not meant to be a very sophisticated character piece. But and that's okay, because yeah. it's just trying to be an entertaining, fun adventure film.
0: Yeah, cool, the treasure's not here. We still have to find a way out. We're going to die down here. oh riley they could have also tried climbing their way out at the other way it's not quite as dire as they want to make it seem But no, imagine this at like like a, a ride at like I would almost said Universal, but a ride at Disney, like the interactive queue you can walk through, push the buttons, kind of like the Indiana Jones ride. Would've been great. It
1: would probably be shut down now. But...
0: <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> it mean, would. We'll be... Could you imagine, though, a world where this replaced, like, Disney really got ahead of themselves what would be the longer-lasting IP, and they replaced the Indiana Jones ride with this? How pissed off people would be.
1: I was always surprised they never moved ahead with the the third one. Yeah. What, uh, did the second one not do as well, or is it just one of those things where they had, like, development fell by the wayside? I
0: think it fell by the wayside, and the second one, even Mm -hmm. though I think it was a profit, just probably did not perform nearly as well as, um... This one did, and you know, it's the same thing, you know. As I was, jo- I, even though I was joking with the Blair Witch comparison with the sequels, you know, the second one grossed a shit ton of money as well, nowhere near the first one, but it made a huge profit. But the studio's like, okay, this isn't making, didn't make us nearly as much money as the last one did. This isn't exactly, you know, going to be the hottest property. Apparently, we don't need to keep spending
3: money on it. I mean, it did well. It it grossed two hundred and twenty million in North America. In two hundred and thirty-seven, and worldwide, so it did very well. What was the budget? Let's see. One. One thirty. So I mean, I mean, so made its, its it? money back. I mean, it wasn't a it's, huge. Head. It's
1: okay. It's like typically with budgets like that, they have to make back three times what uh the budget was to break even. So it's like it's okay.
0: Yeah, I mean, it it, it wasn't a flop in any regards, but yeah, you could. It literally was that it's like it didn't make nearly as much money as they were hoping and it's like all right well will the next one not make as much money i mean you look at it it goes to a testament with like the with jurassic world that um you look at like the retur- box office returns for um jurassic park two and three they were less and less than the previous one they still made money but you had to start wondering at a certain points like okay are we gonna make a movie and now is this next one gonna be a flop you know, are we gonna move, lose money on a fourth Jurassic Park? Are we gonna lose money on a third, in, you know, in, um, yeah. national treasure? I was gonna yeah, say yeah, on a third Independence Day, but I'm sure they would lose money if they made a third Independence Day now. Sometimes you
1: just get stuck for grouping.
0: Yeah. And then yeah, I mean the second one I enjoy the second one, but it's not like the first one. Like I, I will st- stand by this as a fun family movie. I have the second one on DVD, but mm-hmm. I bought it like it from a used bookstore for like three dollars that would be the only way i would have invested money Mm -hmm. to get that it was fun but like lost a lot of the magic and fun that this first movie had and i could see like it didn't need to exist for a third one i'll see the third one if it looks good but i don't think it'll be near as good as this one you never know
1: i'm hooked on your title jake international treasure
3: (laughs) international
1: that's how you soft reboot a franchise i'm just imagining the
0: teaser poster is nick cage wearing this exact outfit torch in one hand holding a globe in the other one yeah
1: Uh, yeah he'll be holding the globe but it'll be an echo of the first poster for this movie The, the poster for the original where he's like standing there in that pose but he'll have the globe and it'll be international treasure
0: yes I like how he also stairs. Like, it's a beautiful thing. I would not trust those stairs. Those stairs look even ricketier than the first set they went on. Also, imagine, again, going back to the ride, you start in the church basement. You see this guy as like an animatronic at the corner,
3: cowering in fear. It'd be great. He has a heart attack each time.
1: Uh, there's Judas again. <laughs> But, oh, this is our big scene, the bad lieutenant scene.
3: The meeting of the bad lieutenants. Well, I guess
1: they kind of met in the one scene. <laughs> oh, no, it's true. Talk. But this is like...
3: A more
0: impactful scene. Yeah.
1: And this actually has some good visual storytelling, because you sort of see the Freemasons ring on him, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good visual signifier there. He doesn't have to come out and just say, I'm part of the Freemasons. You can trust you me. You get
3: it. You don't want to hear Harvey Keitel say those words, because it would sound hilarious coming out of his mouth. <laughs> the Freemasons. It's by Christian Bale doing a Harvey Keitel
0: impression.
1: Well, he, he talks about the Freemasons, yeah, I mean, but he, he doesn't like come out and say I secretly joined the Freemasons twenty five years ago or something like that. When yeah. I was sixteen, <laughs> they, <laughs> yeah, they recruited me. Nice subtle moment. They
0: should have cut his fingernails though a
3: manicurist for this scene god damn it it's kind of interesting you got John Voight and Harvey Keitel these two like legendary actors from like the 70s yeah quality movies they made
0: I we know John Voight for Anaconda
3: wow oh that's okay that's a wonderful performance for <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, baby a, genius I've never seen it. oh my god Jake, old... you you uh, you have not lived until you see <laughs> John Voight in that movie <laughs> I thought you would love it yeah, I, I kind of want to check it out no it's, yeah. it's worth it just for that his it's his last monster. moment
0: on screen is the best part.
3: You've seen those gifs right online of him.
0: Um, no, I haven't actually. Okay, we're gonna watch the clip as soon as this ends. You won't be able to watch it with us, but we'll recreate
3: Jacob's reaction later.
1: Next commentary will be on the clip.
3: <laughs> yes, Yeah, forty-five second commentary. I think I was pretty good in Hunt for the Blood Orchid, the sequel to Anaconda. I'm joking, it wasn't he wasn't. <laughs> I've never seen it.
0: I know there was a sequel to Anaconda, and I remember like seeing a trailer for it, and I'm like, oh, is this like a like a sci-fi TV movie? It's like, oh no, it actually's coming to theaters. Yep. Um, now we should start discussing the alternate ending to this. So the alternate ending originally ended with um all the main characters in the National Archives looking at the declaration. Some kids are talking about, oh, oh, there's a treasure map on the back. And then um, Ben and Abigail talk about, like, oh, you know, is there a map on the back of the Constitution? No, I already checked. Ha ha ha. And then they talk about a sunken tr- Spanish galleon off the coast of Texas. And, like, oh, well, maybe we should start looking at it. And, like, oh, well, here we go again. And then. John Turtletop literally said, he's like, we didn't want to do a cheesy cliffhanger setting up for the sequel. And that's literally what they did for the second one, trying to go into the third. Mm. So, even though I'd be fine with that, you know, it's very reminiscent of how Back to the Future ended with, oh, well, the adventures continue, but they then hamstrung themselves into doing something with that ending. Yeah, it's, it's never
3: good to pigeonhole yourself like that especially if you
0: don't have a plan yeah so like yeah. with back to the future they never intend to make a sequel so like oh crap what are we to do with jennifer so that's why they knock jennifer out immediately when they get to 2015 so
1: well it also depends on how you engage with the problem you know it's yeah. like sometimes you can rise to the occasion and do something really uh, really interesting or unique with it or kind of take it take it as sort of like a limitation that encourages your yeah. creativity and you i know? think they did that for you know back to the future too well i mean with
0: yeah what they would propose for national treasure too of just finding a sunken ship it you know it's not nearly to the same level of a treasure that redefines world history so i'm glad they went with this i think this is a nice fake out with oh they didn't keep you know we kept so little money and then they have this huge estate he's got like a sports car and you know stuff like that it's nice ending shows they're in love They'll get a divorce by part two apparently, but don't worry guys, they'll get back together. I was okay with that.
1: I actually, I didn't care Yeah. that. No. I like how they do it in The Mummy Returns, that they're like a, a couple now. It doesn't just walk back on what happened in the last one.
0: Which ironically we will be doing, in not next commentary, but the one after, so foreshadowing.
1: Oh, can we just skip to The Mummy Returns? That movie's so cool.
0: Well, I've got some funny stories about a friend, um, one of our former, or our current friend, but former roommate, how I messed with him with that movie. But either way, well, we hope you enjoyed our 4th of July themed commentary for National Treasure.
3: So thanks for watching yep, or listening.
0: Either one. So we hope you have a happy 4th of July. And if you're watching this after the 4th of July, we hope you have a happy Labor Day. Have a good night.
1: Stay golden.